I know this neighborhood. I got beat up in that alley. In that parking lot. And behind that diner. Did you have something against running away? You start running, they'll never let you stop. You stand up, you push back. You can't say no forever, right? I know a little of what that's like, to have every door shut in your face. I guess I just don't know why you'd want to join the army if you're a beautiful dame. Or a, a beautiful a woman. An agent, not a dame. You are beautiful, but... You have no idea how to talk to a woman, do you? I think this is the longest conversation I've had with one. Women aren't exactly lining up to dance with the guy they might step on. Hello and welcome to episode 123 of Do You Expect Us to Talk? I'm your host, Becca, and as always, joined by Chris and Dave, my original first Avengers. But that's not a crack at their age, just how legendary they are. <laughs> I'm so old, I've punched Hitler thousands of times. <laughs> yeah. Are you older than me? <laughs> yeah, I think everyone listening to this show realises what old-fashioned values me and Chris have. <laughs> <laughs> I think you are clearly so progressive. Yeah. Which you are. Anyway, tonight we are reviewing Captain America, the first Avenger, starring Chris Evans, no, not that one, Hayley Atwell, Hugo Weaving, Sebastian Stan, Samuel L. Jackson, Tommy Lee Jones, Toby Jones, not Noby Jones, Stanley <laughs> Tucci, plus very early roles for Jenna Coleman and Richard Armitage, who was probably, as you say, famous for Lord of the Rings or The Hobbit around this sort of time, written by Christopher Marcus and Stephen McFeely, based on the comics by Joe Simon and Jack Kirby, directed by Joe Johnston, and with a score by Alan Silvestri, which I liked very much, and released in 2011. What did we make of this film? Dave, you can go first. Okay. Um, my, uh, my, I've gone on quite the journey with this film, I have to say, because uh, I, I, I don't know. I think it was a few things. I think Thor was all right, as I think my review reflects, I didn't slaughter it, but I was just a bit like, it's a bit perfunctory, it's all right. Iron Man 2 had been a big letdown, and I was still being sort of dragged kicking and screaming towards this Avengers team up. I mean, a year later, I was really like stoked for it, but at the time, I was like, I'm not sure this is a good idea. Then you got Captain America, who seemed to be a character to me, a non-comic book reader that just spoke to like, um, the whole American greatest country in the world bullshit, you know? And I, I looked at um, drawings of him in the comics and always thought the character looked a bit ridiculous. And in my head, when they when they cast um, Chris Evans, I always thought, surely this should have been made in the 70s with, like, Lee Majors or something. <laughs> I, I really, I just couldn't see this. You should bit. watch the uh, 90s one. Well, I think he, I think oh, he no. has a bit of a, I think that that guy does have a bit of a Lee Majors nose, actually. So maybe no, that's no, 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 no. I think I think we just broke Becca anyway. Um, <laughs> I know. It's, hopefully she's working again now. Um, yes. It's, so I went to see it, 
wasn't the biggest lover of Joe Johnson as a director. Um, wasn't, but I hadn't seen the Rocky and still haven't. Um, and so I went, I think, a little bit pre. Uh, I'm normally good at, I hope this podcast has shown over the years that I'm pretty good at watching things with an open mind. I think this film was one of the few occasions in life where I just wasn't able to do that. I, I didn't consciously know, but I went in not ready to like this. And I was expecting a load of cheese, you know, oh, the Captain America, how the fuck's he end up calling himself that? You know, oh, fuck off. And I went in and, of course, it's all this soldiering bollocks and I've never been the biggest. I'm, I'm a lot more open minded than I was at the time, if I'm honest. But at the time I was a little bit, it's going to be all this military bollocks. You know, I really went in with a total downer on it. And then the film started and it was OK. Um, it, but it was only interesting when he was like a little guy. All that kind of interested me and it started taking me with him because it was suddenly like, I don't like bullies. And I thought that is actually the best way to put an altruistic guy in onto like one side of a fight, however righteous that fight might be. Um, and by the time we got to the sort of Bucky on the train stuff, uh, I think I needed the toilet or something. So I got up and went and nearly left. Just because I was like, I was again, I wasn't furious. I was just like, I don't know if I can be arsed with this bollocks. And I went back in and I watched the end of it. And the last couple of the minutes of the film got me. And I was suddenly like, oh, this might, there might be something in this. But I didn't really like the Red Skull character. And I, I just hadn't been taken by it. It felt like a bit dumbed down from what we'd seen so far, which I, I now don't believe that, by the way. And over the years since... I mean, I didn't like him in The Avengers very much. I mean, I love The Avengers as a film, but the Cap's outfit in that looks fucking stupid. It's the dumbest version of the outfit they ever put him in. And I, I just wasn't sold on the character. And then what changed this film for me was The Winter Soldier. The Winter Soldier came out and was just so good. And there were layers to this character. And there was a point of view and a worldview of this character. And there was a close. There was still a, a, a longing regard for... Um, Hayley Atwell for uh, Agent Carter that I went back and watched this and I think over the years I've come to the conclusion that it's 70 minutes of a really great film and I think I'll rank it accordingly that there are more consistent films in the Marvel universe but it has a brilliant score we look at a lot of top um, composers who are maybe getting a bit older now and we think back to some of their more iconic works and with Alan Silvestri we, we look back to a lot of his 80s stuff but actually, his first Avengers score is terrific, as is his score for um, the Avengers next week. Yeah, I love um, the score here. I think it's a really iconic theme, whereas yeah. I think a lot of the Marvel Universe perhaps... I'm really sorry, but this is going to sound like sacrilegious, but probably suffers from a lack of amazing themes. Yeah, um, I totally disagree, and we'll talk about it when Charlie comes on, because I just... Exactly, that, he's, he's the expert. That's that's the that's my yeah, but that's, that's the thing people say, and when you actually go back and listen... You actually almost listen, actually, all, yeah, you're wrong. Almost, almost, almost but I think all this, is, this is an amazing, amazing theme. I, I, do, I do remember both cat themes, actually. I mean, I do miss this one because it is a nice little throwback. Uh, I, I would yeah. like to hear, like, a, a few little throwbacks in the new films of this, just even yeah. if it just means, like, referring back to his past. But, I mean, it, it's it's still but, there. Yeah. It's still used in what we get. But it also had probably the best sort of post-credit or the best credit sequence we get a, in... Marvel generally, with probably the exception of Iron Man 3, which has a wonderful end title sequence, um, just the music and the energy through it, and probably Guardians 2 as well, has a really, really good sort of um, uh, cred a set of credits, if you like. Um, so I, I, over the years, I've, I've just come to think that 
I, I don't really like the Red Skull stuff. I think now Marvel has broadened out and we've met so many larger-than-life characters, the Red Skull stands up a little bit better. But at the time, it just felt a bit... It felt all a bit more primary colour and dumber than what we've had before. But for 70 minutes, this is a terrific film. And it's grown on me over the years, and I've got a real regard for it now. It's look, it's feel, it's sound, it's performances... Um, I think this is I think this is excellent, but um, I have to say I, I took a long time to get there. Just on the when you talk about the post credits, do you think how I think you know the the stuff where you realise he's back, he's in modern day when you said with Samuel Jackson? Yeah. yeah, I think was well or maybe Becca might know. Was this actually meant to be the post credit one? The the post credit sting at the end, but instead decided to go with like oh let's have a trailer for Avengers. Because I think, I think it's, it's, they? They uh, it's framed that way. Because the shot before that is is like you see like the kids playing with the shields. It's like always oh, his legend lives on type yeah. type of thing. And there's not just for a few moments before they reveal that he's in this uh, fake costume. And because of the melancholic ending, like oh, I had a dateline. Just felt more like I've a credit never thing. thought about it. Now, now I think about it, that strikes me as the studio wasn't. They would have put a lot of money to the Avengers. I haven't looked at its budget yet, but it it just yeah. looks expensive. Um. Uh, so now I think about it, I'm thinking, no, 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 no. They, they, we, we've we've learned from Iron Man two. We can't spend the whole film going the Avengers, the Avengers, the Avengers. But we've got to finish the film with people leaving, thinking of what's coming. No, but I was so, just thinking originally that's what it was meant to be. No, that's what I'm saying. No, I think that's yeah. what that's what I'm saying. I think the filmmakers probably did do it the way you're suggesting, and the studio probably said, no, put that in front of the credits, and then let's have a let's let's leave them thinking of the Avengers. Yeah, mm. I think that's probably right. Don't know that for certain. Anyway, Becca? Um, yeah, just to engage with what Dave, you know, what Dave said. Um, yeah, I enjoyed this film as well. Went to see it at the cinema. Chris Evans is a big draw for me. Um, what, don't forget your toothbrush? <laughs> yes, <laughs> Radio 2 DJ. Oh, I love that. People can, just get, people can just turn up to watch a game show and get a holiday. I can see why Becca wanted to go and see this. <laughs> DJI Friday was such a good show. And don't forget your toothbrush as well. That was so funny. Yeah, but don't forget your toothbrush was better. I always it was, resented. It was. I always, I always resented TGI Friday because I thought he's going to be remembered for that. And don't forget your gene, your toothbrush is genius. Yeah, it was actually really, really clever. Yeah. Um, and, he, um, even the way, even the way they, he would switch from looking at one camera to another, and they'd use that Thunderbirds thing. Yes, Captain Scarlet. Yeah, that was Yeah. Very clever. And occasionally you get it wrong and be facing. Somehow it didn't matter though, did it? It's just like one of them things where like you get away with it. It was always supposed to carry on because they did two seasons of it and it was going to carry on with Ray Cokes presenting the MTV VJ and it just never happened. No, it never came to fruition, did it? And then he's remembered for TGI Friday, which was just all right. Um, it was just like you started a kind of chat show, really. But I think, wasn't that why... Um, oh, God, what was his name from the Happy Mondays? He was banned. Sean Ryder. Uh, yeah, Sean they, Ryder, they, yeah. Isn't that why they, he was banned they, from Channel 4? Because he's swearing show, so too they, much. They, they used to film it like four, five minutes, yeah. Yeah, yeah they don't have to beep it out, beep it out. And I kind of... Obviously, now, now you see him on TV and across, across yeah. various media. But I was kind of thinking, oh, okay. good old Channel 4. But anyway, not that Chris Evans. This so, is, 20 <laughs> minutes on Top Gear and then we can get back to this. <laughs> But no, um, no I, I did enjoy the film, apart from probably like the last half an hour, 20 minutes. Um, it's, it's a very busy film. They tried to pack a lot in. Um, 
and it just was a little bit long for my liking. Um, some of the action scenes kind of did drag on a little bit. CGI did get a little bit shaky towards the end. Um, but on the whole, very solid. Um, Chris Evans is brilliant as Captain America. Is. So yeah, in in summary, um, I enjoyed this film, but not so much the last half an hour. But Hugo Weaving is brilliant as the villain, um, just because he reminds me of the role he played in The Matrix, channeling all that creepy villainy. Um, he, he does suit a Nazi, and uh, that sounds like a really <laughs> horrible thing to say. But he is one. Of, he, but but he is he is one of those actors who like he does look good in 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 the uniform. <laughs> Do you, yeah. know what I mean? Do you know what I mean? Yeah, like you know, you just—it's like Kevin Eldon, poor Kevin Eldon, but he does actually look like yeah, you you look you look the part of Gestapo Nazi general. <laughs> yeah, I never realised that was when yeah when they do the Captain America shtick, he's going out and, and trying to sell the war bonds, um, and there's one where I think he's in one Milwaukee, I don't know where he is, and you kind of see this Hitler character lurking behind the row of girls, and I didn't realise that was British actor Kevin Eldon. So for for um. Big train and as I say, Richard and not Judy. Um, never, never noticed that before. So that's really interesting. The genius of this film for me is um, you've got to tell a character called Captain America, which might work in an era of like you know Nazi pro- anti-Nazi propaganda and all the rest of it, and at a much simpler time. And much like sort of Superman the movie, they sell this Boy Scout character, they sell it and sell it through making him um, a sort of a propaganda tool for a period of time and then that just becomes like he's sort of almost lucky touchstone that look and that name and i just think that that's incredibly clever in a modern film what somehow find a way to make it contemporary like an old-fashioned just to make an idiotic costume in someone called captain america sorry any fans listening but that's how it comes across to a non-fan like me work uh, and it really works. And the outfit they put him in when he actually goes into battle works. And every outfit he's ever worn, with the exception of next week, works. You know, the characters always looked all right, except in the Avengers, where I hated that outfit they put him in in that. But, you know, for everything after that, he's always looked all right to me. Is that is that probably down to the fact that he just looks a bit too... Got it, got kids costumey kind of thing. It's a bit it look, on your nose, isn't it? It's it's awful. Just the cut of it, it just looks awful. Um, and then of course they said they were going to put him in um, the Winter Soldier, and I thought, how's that going to look? And it looked really great, and he's looked really good. Yeah, he since. looks very cool there. Yeah, I must say that's a really good film. I'm looking forward to reviewing that. Yeah, but absolutely. Um, what, yeah, I, what I, about I, you, Chris? With I, this yeah, film? I, I think I think the reason what, the key to that is finding a way in, into the character like you know why why should we care about him and there is always something about just a really good guy just trying to do the right thing and i think that's that's why i think it's as popular as i mean personally captain america is probably my favorite uh of the avengers for probably that reason that i'd he, go along with that now yeah he is sure. He is a just there's they, they, as you say they do it the way that you should play Superman go of all heart like the guy who just wants to do the right thing and he's he's the guy who you place him in situations where you know the right thing isn't always the visible you know what is the right thing you know it's all murky you know we, you don't know and that, that's where the, we find conflict um, but yeah I think the there's a genuine heart and warmth to that that you just want to follow. Um, A.B. Hatwell's great as well uh, with having that balance. 
Also, she is smoking. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> so something for everything, everyone to enjoy in this film. Yeah. Perms. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, I know, I know, I know. I kind of slightly fell in love with Hayley Atwell in this film. Uh, anyway. Uh... <laughs> But, uh, but no, we have to discuss um, Agent Carter somewhere along the line as well because the series was criminally dropped after, two, not dropped, but canned after two series. But it was such, such good series. And I really enjoyed it and I'm so sad that it's not on TV anymore. There's sorts of bringing it back, I think. But anyway, I'm, I'm, I'm to be honest, yeah. this, despite my ravings for Hayley Atwell, I've, I've actually not watched it, but that's because I'm crap at TV. <gasps> I I'm, can loan them to you. I've got the DVDs, so I'll send them to you. It's, it's fine, I'll find them. But <laughs> I'm, just, I'm, just, I'm just crap at TV generally. But anyway... um. Yeah, nobody watches live TV anymore. I I've always I've always liked this film. I've always enjoyed it. Uh, I think go, especially going off from four, I really like four, much for the same sort of heart. You know, it's got a good heart to it. I found found the same thing with this. I thought it had a really it handled the um, the character and the the World War Two setting really really well. The the problem I had with this film, and I think was what both of you alluded to is kind of like a film of two halves. I think the problem with that is they found a situation where right, you have to do a Captain America origin story set in World War Two, and then make him fight like the the Red Skull and all, and all this and then we have to find a way to put him in uh, modern day. And the problem is there's just no time for anything else. I mean the... By the time, I mean, I think the film is great, as as I think Dave said, up to the point where he goes to goes on his rescue mission. The, to the point where he decides to go is about an hour in. You could easily had like a, a rest of another forty minutes of expand that rest bit old rescue attempt, and had a re- pretty decent film like for a first origin film. That would that you know I think what, what, watching it now with that in mind. It almost like plays to that perfectly if you just expand that and then. But the problem is, once you reach that time, it kind of goes into like montage mode. So all you're seeing is Cap- Captain America in action, and you don't actually get to know any of the any any of his team. They're just like they're just there. I I don't know. Don't know. Don't particularly care because I I, I want to know him. I want I want to care. But I'm... the montage is where it lost me because yeah. um the the Incredible Hulk for all its flaws. When you had Blonsky in the park fighting the Hulk, there was a balletic nature to the way he was moving that was just really cool, and it was a pretty seamless effect. And when we had to see Cap in action, it just became this very sort of... It just became a montage. It didn't take me with it. I wasn't that interesting. I wasn't that interested, sorry. And I just got bored with it. And... We cut from the end of that, and it's quite a moment when he comes back to the camp with them. That's incredible. But after, but then they go straight into, you mm. know, with sorry that, and then you've got the montage, and then from then on you've got um, Tommy Lee Jones sitting down with a steak to talk to um, what's the character called Zola? That's it. And the film absolutely lost me, and it's such a shame because everything before he became Cap was wonderful. And even when he was becoming Cap, even that experiment they did on him, he's in agony. He's going, no, no, I can do this. And it's just this guy who just will not give up. And you can watch this in different moods and at different stages of your life and get something out of it. Because somebody with that heart and drive speaks to all of us if we've got anything like a decent heart in us. 
Yeah, and I think you know that, that that's a shame. I think the, the the problem is is just you know it it fa- it's all, all of a sudden goes in like lightning speed to to get to its end destination. And the problem is we from from that first part from the first half of the film, you know, the film kind of like like fast forwards itself to get to get to its end conclusion and it's just you have no time to spend with any of the rest of the team particularly Bucky because and I know I'm potentially pissing off some fans here so I do apologise in advance but I don't give a shit about Bucky when he died uh, and that's not and that's not Sebastian Van's Sebastian Stan's fault at all it's just I've had no real time with him to really I mean I've been told that they're best mates so I do feel for for him in some regard, but I've had no time to feel it. Had it been, had I had an entire film, and albeit like another half a film with him, that would have been. But I think I think there should have been two films, basically. Yeah, I mean, I think that was part of my problem that I, you know, I I, I go to the cinema, watch this film. Some of it's okay, um, some of it's not, and then we get to this whole thing where Bucky dies, and it was around then I needed the loop. I didn't care. This character died, and I was like, "Well, defending Steve in an alleyway, who gives a shit?" Um, so there was a lot wrong with this film. There remains quite a lot wrong with this film, but it just has a, a look, a feel, a sound, a charm, performance, or a series of performances that do work. Mm. Um, so it's not all bad by no. any stretch of the imagination. I I think the film did the best it could possibly do, given what the task it had. I, I I can't see how else they could have done a better job, but I think ultimately this needed to be two films because I think ultimately this would have just enriched not just this, not just like uh, you know Captain America up to now, but going forward into the Winter Soldier. If you if you had like another two films of Bucky having to spend time with him. That would have been so much more meaningful to a general, some going audience who doesn't read the comics. That would have meant so much, so much more, and and then Civil War would have felt a bit more like, all right, well we've had our Cap trilogy, uh, and now we've and we had our Iron Man trilogy, so let's do a Cap and Iron Man film. And it would have made a lot more sense, wouldn't it have been like a little bit more like, oh well, Tony stepping in on. We'll call it. We'll call it a Cap, but it's the Avengers two and a half. Yeah. Yeah, 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 kind of thing. So, so yeah, a lot. But yeah, I, I think all of those complaints as we go in it into it remain. And I, I just, I don't know. It just felt Thor was a little bit like this. That I just thought they got to give him some challenge. Who's one of his name antagonists? All right, uh, the Red Skull. Yeah. Um, in some respects, it does work because. The, the scenes with um, Stanley Tucci really work, where Stanley Tucci's just pointing at his heart and saying yeah. it, it it amplifies what's in you. Stop, don't worry about being a great soldier, just be a good man. And of course, when they put the serum, all right, the serum isn't ready, and he says that. He said, but more than that, it amplified what um, the character Smith was uh, and just brought out these, these sort of nastier characteristics, whereas Chris Evans, you know, Steve Rogers, it amplifies the, the, the absolute goodness of the man. Mm. So all of that works. So I can see why you got the red skull here, but it was all a bit primary colour, um, 
it was yeah, arguably a little bit early for all that, particularly in a film that had worked so hard in its first half to to sell this this character journey. Maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. Yeah. But yeah, certainly he gets back with... I mean, the, the time check was three or four minutes afterwards. So I can divine from that it was about 70 minutes. But he comes back with the Howling Commandos. And a few minutes later, I did a time check and it was about an hour and 14. Something okay. He came back with them at about an hour and 10. He, he, and the journey... He, he to, sets off like just, just shy of an hour. That's when he sets off. So it was Yeah, just... and you've got to think, you know, he spent the first part of the film just trying to join the army. Mm. So for a period of time he'd have done anything asked of him he might have said i don't want to kill people but he would have done anything asked of him so there's such a character journey in going no i have this talent i have to use therefore i am going to get these guys out and that's a perfect arc for a film in itself isn't it just like the guy finally proving himself after all the everything he's over he's had to all the obstacles he's had to overcome um to prove not only that he's a good soldier. I, I agree. Um, I want to just talk a little bit about the um, effects of this film as well, because I can play Thor was cheap. Um, Do you think they, sp- that think they spent the money on on here rather than Thor? Not really sure, because when you look at the budget for this film, there's a range given as opposed to a number. So it's very difficult to actually divine what the actual budget was. But the top end of that range is a long way above Thor. So I do wonder. I do wonder if they they just said, let's put the money here. I always thought the vast majority of the the effects were... um, uh, What was I going to say? I thought the vast number of the effects here were done by digital face replacement on a small man. And it actually wasn't. It was um, most of it is Chris Evans acting the role and then them slimming down his body. There's only a handful of shots where it's digital face replacement. Did, did he do the performance on his knees walking around? <laughs> Sorry. Did he do, did he do his performance while walking on his knees? Uh, they put they put sort of dots on his shirt, which is where his eye line would be after the change. So most people were talking to Chris Evans, but talking to his chest which I'm sure a lot of female actors are used to. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm, I'm just trying to see what if I can f- work out what the budget here was. No, see, it's got production budget of $140 million on on uh, Box Office Mojo, and I don't believe that. I don't believe that because it's lower than Thor, it's lower than Iron Man, it's lower than The Incredible Hulk, and I don't believe that. Uh, but the top end of it, if you look at Wikipedia, says $216 million. And I suspect it probably is closer to the top end of that. Uh, didn't gross as well as Thor. Um, perhaps that is because it's to go to territories where uh, America isn't the most popular thing in the world. Uh, and in fact, in some territories, they dropped America moniker and just made it the first Avenger. Mm. Um, no view at all. Don't want to make any judgments on it. But it didn't. It did not gross as well as Thor. So. It came out like in the mid, like late end of of July, didn't it? So I I wonder. I, I'm trying to think of what what else was in that summer. So maybe it might have been like a busy summer. It might have been also been. Two thousand and twelve was the was like the, a, a well. Two thousand and twelve was a summer for years. We were all thinking, "Fuck me, that summer's going to be unbelievable." Because there was going to be a Superman film. There was going to be the second Star Trek film, and others, most of which off. Oh, The Hobbit. 
uh, though that's more towards Christmas, but there was going to be a whole run of films that year that I was like, Jesus Christ, I, I won't be able to keep up with that. But an awful lot of those were uh, delayed. Uh, Man of Steel came out in 2013, as did um, In Darkness. I'm just looking up 2011, actually, to see if I can get a feel for for what came out. Deathly Hallows Part 2 was that year, but I'm not quite sure what time of the year it came out. Dark of the Moon, uh, there was a Pirates film, there was a Twilight film, Ghost Protocol was that year, Kung Fu Panda 2, Fast Five, The Hangover Part 2. It's not the biggest summer of... Fast Five, Rangu, um, uh, X-Men. Uh, first Class was this year. Yeah. Actually, it would have been the first Kung Fu Panda. Planet of oh, the no, Apes, so that was like later on, wasn't it? Rise for the Rise of the Planet of the Eight was that year. Uh, what else? Cars two. That, they're always quite big. Green Lantern. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but that didn't do that well, did it? <laughs> Cowboys and Aliens, which didn't do that well. The biggest year I've ever seen in my life. And a maybe maybe it was just a really shit summer. Like maybe no one bothered. Well, well, it, well, well, was, it was. was there a World Co- Cup Co- of some Co- sort? Was this... No, not in a, not in an odd. Yeah, no, no, not in an odd year. Contagion. Yeah, when Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy. Yeah, we're not we're not looking at the greatest uh, summer I've ever seen in terms of massive massive films by any stretch of the imagination. So I don't really know. I'm going to look up 2012 now because that was a that, that had the Avengers that had well, Skyfall, but it's Christmas. Dark Knight Rises, uh, Amazing Spider-Man, and that. Madagascar, uh, Men in Black Three. Uh, yeah, okay. It all got spread over a couple of years. There were, everything was aiming at sort of 2012, and then. I think they ended up going kind of the either side either side of that. I'll say this is where Marvel suddenly looked a little bit less cheap, put it that way, um, because I thought largely the effects worked, and, and where they were a little bit less photorealistic, where well, the film had a sepia tone anyway. Awful lot of it shot in this country as well. A lot of it was shot in Liverpool and Manchester. The scene where he sort of becomes Captain America. And the chase afterwards with Richard Armitage mm-hmm. and down onto the docks. That's a mixture of stage, Manchester and Liverpool. When they get to the docks, it's Liverpool. But when they're going down that street, it's a mixture yeah. of Manchester yeah. and, and stage work. Yeah, it, so, did, it did look very much like Liverpool docks, yeah, that bit. <laughs> yeah, it really did. It really did. I re- recognised it. Uh, but especially Manchester as well, when they're yeah. running on streets. Like, yeah, I know those buildings. I know design. Yeah, well, I couldn't place the buildings, but I could place roughly where it Yeah. Manchester, just yeah. north, well, well, not far from Northern Quarter, anyway. Kind of, like, I also um, it's kind of just off Piccadilly and Piccadilly Gardens and Northern Quarter. So yeah, um, another thing that interested me is when they were casting this film for the longest, I kept reading it was going to be John Krasinski. All right, and I believe he screen tested as well. It was going to be John Krasinski. He was the favourite for a very, very long time. And then all of a sudden, Chris, Chris Evans was cast. It, it wasn't even there wasn't even a period where it was like swinging over towards him. It was just him all of a sudden after the longest time where it was going to be John Krasinski, which would have been a very different take, much older guy, but again, very sort of clean cut all American guy, I guess. But yeah, it would have been very different. But then that would have been interesting because Emily Blunt's his wife in real life, and she was nearly Black Widow. You think it might have been it? It's like she got shafted for Black Widow, and you thought, "Fuck that, fuck this shit." I I, I remember hearing like possible rumours of um, this obviously before you know 
Iron Man and, th- and, and all that. So, of uh, doing Will Smith Captain America film. No, that would have been good, obviously, that. before he got cast in um, the. But yeah, that 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 was like sort of rumored, kind of like potential ideas thrown around. And before. I don't know that I think it would have been good, but there you go. Yeah. Um, well, they're looking to cast him in the Black Panther movie, obviously, before. Years. Problem is, Will, Will Smith's a lot of his output in, in, well, I say recent years, he hasn't done a hell of a lot. But a lot of his sort of star making turns were blanded down by Chris, uh, by his constant blanding of scripts. He does get kind of involved and ends up blanding it down. And he t- turned down Neo and he turned down Django. And I just think, like, he would have been totally the wrong move for Marvel uh, as a star, as the star of a film. I think he probably would have had wanted too much say. A bit different with Suicide Squad when he's one of a number. Yeah. But, uh, as, as a no, star. They largely get it right here because I think, you know, we get to the Avengers next week and we've got a range of characters we, we all feel something for. It, it depends how much, depending on how you got on with the films. I don't think they'd... They hadn't finished doing the heavy lifting with Cap, with Cap because I know where Iron Man in the Avengers says, call it Cap. I'm like, really? You're putting him in charge? Barely know him yet. But you compare that to, like, Justice League, where the precursors to that, um, Batman versus Superman, both characters were assholes. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, and we didn't know two or three of the others at all. So yeah, I think they, they did what they needed to do with this film. But yeah, I think I'm kind of on board with the argument. Perhaps it's it's more than one film's worth here. Trying to do quite a lot, aren't they? Yeah, I, it is a very busy film. I, I I just think it would have been ideal because I think you had you had basically the the setup of a perfect arc in the first half, and you got like a lot of action, a lot of stuff to get to get through and we, we could have had a lot more time as you could have had another story and a lot more time with the characters for a second film and set it up so he kind of you know gets frozen and whatnot ready for Avengers it, it to me it just that that's kind of how it should have been but obviously given the time and what they had they only had time for one movie so they did the best of what they had um but you know they they took they took an avatar for one of the most unpopular western nations on earth now worldwide in terms of america and that's not to say that's my view but i'm saying there's an awful lot of the world that would just be oh fuck off right he's called captain america he's potentially cheesy as shit and they've made absolutely every element of it work and the character's gone on to be probably my favorite part of the marvel cinematic universe as well so that's a big credit to this film yeah, he's 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 gone on to be one of the favourites almost. It's like he's up there with uh, Iron Man now in terms of the in terms of like the cinema goer's eyes. To be honest, I would be inclined to agree um, with the first point about it being two films. Um, I did feel this film was quite busy. There was a lot going on, um, and it was kind of detrimental in terms of the pace of it. But as you say, they did the best with what they had. Um, and there are lots of sequels in this series anyway, so it would have been would have Harry Potter syndrome when having part one and part two, and that just would have elongated things forevermore. Um, I also agree with you on the Captain America point. It does seem very jingoistic if you're unfamiliar with, with the character in the comics. If you're a complete newbie coming in and you don't know, it does sound, you know, say very jingoistic and very, you know, especially at the moment, 
um, with Trump at the wheel, but we won't go into that. Um, but also, conversely, there hasn't, which well, has been historically within the comics, but in terms of like an on-screen, um, Captain England, for example, or obviously we've got um, kind of Blimp and those sort of characters, but that's by the by. Um, but I would, I, I'd, I would incline, be inclined to agree, really. Um, it's, it's, it is what it is. Um, but in, in terms of if we're kind of ranking Captain America films, I would say that Winter Soldier stands out to me. Um, as one of the best of his of his series, purely because of it, it's actually like a seventies style paranoia thriller, which is a genre I quite like. So, but is um, is Cap like one of your favourites, or do you have like others for your favourite, or are you more of Stark girl? Well, no, I don't know. No, I don't know. Um, yeah, probably maybe Captain America, then Thor, and then Black Panther, maybe, uh, and then <laughs> this is gonna be really hard to rank the superheroes. Oh my god, they make me choose. And Billy Zane, if you can spot him. <laughs> <laughs> Billy Zane as the Phantom similar. from. Plan <laughs> Flinger. Phantom Rosebudger from Old London Town. Oh, I do remember. And, 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 and if you don't know what we're talking about, listeners, don't worry, not many people do. <laughs> <laughs> you only get all the references, it's fine. Yeah, okay. I think Phantom Rosebudger is. Um, Goonies, so I imagine. Um, not Goonies, Goon Show. And no, no, also... no, that, that, no, that was um, uh, the that, Two um, Ronnies. Two Ronnies, that was it. That was the Two Ronnies. They used to have a serial every year in their series where they oh, popped back to. So, you know, one year they had Piggy Malone and Charlie Farley. They had The Worm That Turned one year where, <laughs> where it was all like women in men's roles and vice versa. And then you sure. had um, and then you had the Phantom, the Phantom Raspberry Blower of Old London Town one year as was, well. Was like really something to do with it though? I don't know. I don't know. It's very Milligan-esque as an idea, it is, actually. Yeah, certainly. But I don't think so. I don't think so. Unless he was, unless he was in the sketches, and I've forgotten it. Uh, I probably but, misremembered. Um, anyway, know, should where... we discuss this movie in a sequential fashion? Yeah, I think we should. Now, I've just got to, as a disclaimer to listeners, you may have, you may have sort of seen in recent days on on Facebook and and Twitter and stuff. I'm virtually blind at the moment, so I'm going to have. Well, I'm not blind, but I can't keep my eyes open for very long. So. I can record, but I'm having to do it sort of with my eyes closed, so you're going to have to talk, talk me through the plot, because normally I've got some kind of synopsis in front of me somewhere. So, uh, we start in... I, I do know we start in 1942... Oh, no, sorry. We start present day, don't we? Yeah, we basically have... It's almost like the frame device, isn't it? We have... Yeah. Um, basically, shield or... Do we go with the shield? We just all just know like they're just people like digging. But anyway, the... we I think we would infer Shield only because of Coulson looking for Thor's hammer in the last one. It it is almost the yeah, sort of yeah, it's kind of like it's the same group. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, the, 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 we've got nothing to believe that they're sinister, sinister in any way. There's no, mm. I, I can't I can't remember them being like a oh well, Director Fury blah 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 or anything like that. Uh, no, but anyway, yeah, but it's essentially Shield. Oh or... uh, yeah, they call they they find and no pun intended, they find Cap's Shield. And mm. they say, you know, put a call through, and it's like, do you know what time it is? Just do it. So they're obviously yeah. there looking for... Well, I think they're there looking for that, unless that was a really surprising find. But they must have known the coordinates he went down at. I don't know. Yeah, I'm, I'm assuming they, that they would have been, like, an ongoing, like, search. Yeah. Um, and they'd have like, oh, we finally found something. Um yeah. But yeah, it's it's basically I caught you know, and then we get back to um, where 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 do we start the film? Don't, don't we start with um, Schmidt 
coming in on that guy from Harry Potter, and he's got the tesseract. Filch. Yes. I, I will do no such thing. Oh, I thought you meant Felt. <laughs> um, yes. Um, so we've got yes, Hugo Weaving. Um, yeah, Hugo Weaving doing look, very good looks very Nazi. dashing as a Nazi in Chris. I've, I've got a fun fact. I've got a fun fact about his accent coming up at the end of the show. Well, I did think he sounds like Arnie here, but he sounds actually like two other people. Okay. Well, one with the Bond connection, so I shall reveal who later. Goldfinger. No. <laughs> okay, that was just a guess. <laughs> now you say that, Becca. Not, he, he, he would not be a good Bond villain, though, wouldn't he? Yeah. I, yeah, I would quite like to see him as a Bond villain. He'd be very cool. As much as I love Christoph Fox, I think Hugo Spear would have been... Hugo Spear? Hugo Weaving. <laughs> yeah, but none of the rest of us like awesome. Christoph Fox really in cool. that film. <laughs> <laughs> I love Christoph Fox. He was shy. <laughs> What's good actor, though, he is. Um, so you never know, quite know what you're going to get. He'd phone it in, sadly. But yeah, Hugo Weaving, um, well, it's just a casting thing of the day, didn't they? Shortly. But yeah, so he's coming here and we see what we later learn to be the Tesseract. I believe this is the Tesseract. We do. We Yeah, we get so that's of one like... of the, big, the square. Yeah, this is one of the Infinity Stones, but we'll come back to Infinity Stones in future weeks. And obviously when we get towards um, Infinity War, we will actually, you know, recap on where they all were. And where we saw them. But uh, yeah, I believe this is the Tesseract. Where were you when you last saw the Tesseract? Oh, well, I was, I, I I was, was sat, watching I was, this film. I, I was sat downstairs <laughs> in my armchair. <laughs> yeah. I was on the toilet. Oh. <laughs> you were watching on a portable TV. <laughs> okay. Alright, so this is... Not um, really, of he's obviously been looking oh. for this particular device, hasn't he? Mm-hmm. Um, and the first device that's offered up to him as the Tesseract just turns out to be sort of ice. It's a kind of way to bluff him. Is that right? Yeah, he kind of said, no, we'll keep that something that value like sort of locked away and we'll keep it like on the person, essentially. Yeah. And then he basically just kills everyone, because he's a bit of a bastard. I was a little bit worried at this point already, because this just looked really, really, really cartoonish, and I just it, it looked like Hellboy done badly. I just thought, oh god, this is going to be terrible. Um, but we're not with it for very long. We cut to Steve Rogers fairly quickly, don't we? Yeah, we go back in uh, New York, uh, and he's he's basically um, doing one of his many uh, applications for the, the army. Yeah, which at the which actually these days, trying this many times would become like performance art, wouldn't it? <laughs> his latest installation he's going to try and sign in in Phoenix yeah he's basically... I mean it'd be highly it'd be a lot more difficult to, to do now I would have thought given how records are kept but yeah there's um... yeah you just turn it I mean yeah I mean we know I, I suspect most of us have family members or family members friends who signed up despite um, health problems or signed up at the wrong age and lied about their age. My grandfather went into the Navy and should never have been allowed in. He had rheumatic fever three times as a child. That, oh, no. that weakens your heart. I mean, he still lived till nearly 90, which is incredible because he's by oh, far... Oh, well done. He's by far, yes, well done, Grandad. Um, well done, Grandad. That's, he, that's he, a really he, good old um, age. Yes, but he lived longer than anyone else in our family by quite a distance. But, uh-huh. he, you know, but he, he never learned to swim, yet he went in the Navy. He was bedridden most of his school life. Um, so, you know, and, and rheumatic fever tends to lead you, leave you with a weakened heart. Um, no evidence of that in his case, but yeah, that alone should have, um, disqualified him from ever signing up, but he signed up and 
frankly, it wasn't a difficult thing to lie about back then. They were quite happy to just take as face value what you had to say. What did shock me is that in one of these um, sign-up attempts, we actually see his medical record, don't we? We see a list yeah. of all the things he's got yeah, wrong with Yeah, a list of all the things he's got wrong. I it's, wish I could have a fun fact about that, but if you pause it, you can read read his medical notes. And it's it's, quite, a, got it's wrong. quite a worrying list, isn't it? And there are there is there is a heart condition in there as well. So, yeah. And he's just trying to sign up. And again, very difficult to get the balance of something like that right in a modern film for a cynical society. Because, you know, if, if they tried to conscript us now, I think most of us would say, fuck off. Yeah, you have a <laughs> Depending on what it was. Well, you go to prison. Well, all right. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, and, and so I think particularly... Do you think it was a bit, like, overkill, do you think, about the amount of stuff? You know, I mean, I mean they did say, like, on the count, yeah, I'd be having asthma alone. So oh, just that asthma alone. plus, so, plus so why his you, size. That get, plus his size, you... like, and, you know, just... Yeah. Um, I think if you'd gone physically what you're seeing, asthma and maybe a heart complaint, fair enough. But the list is like a dozen things at least. Mm. You, you, I think you're probably right, Chris. Um, I think it really, what it does do is when obviously he's selected, that really does hit home the strength of the guy's soul, heart, fortitude. Mm. That, that yeah. they've chosen him despite all of this. So it, it never really bothered me. I, I, as I say, it's always very difficult because I mean they're they're always painted as the greatest generation and all the they, rest they, of it. They've also inadvertently found a cure for all those things. <laughs> in that sold, <laughs> super soldier serum for Captain America. Yeah, every, every, yeah, every, everyone's sprinting out of the hospital at twenty six miles an hour. We find <laughs> everyone's out. got the perfect physique. Everyone's like taller. Like yeah, yeah the, 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 always what amazes me, like with the Hulk, for example. Obviously, you know. Him, the Hulk, and and Steve Rogers obviously are a bit different in terms of like the way they walk up in size. But obviously, like a running joke with the Hulk, and especially in these Avengers movies, is that you know he always loses his pants, loses his trousers. No, it's not that he loses his pants. Well, no, but <laughs> but like you know he, he coming back to like his normal human form, like he's very often nude or you know has to cover up. Um, and then like with with Steve Rogers, like how come his pants don't rip? Um, well, he doesn't grow that much. Oh, he, no, he, he, effectively, but... he effectively ends up in ridiculously tight clothes that come know, up to I just know, below the knee. But yeah, I, I, as I say, I, I, just, I, I want to give the film some credit here because it is difficult. I just think these days when we see somebody from that, you know, painted that way as desperate to sign up regardless, it's a difficult sell. I found it a very difficult sell in something like American Sniper, where... Bradley Cooper's character, I forget the real the name of the real guy he was playing, signed up and it was I just want to get oh, out Chris, there and it was what Chris, Chris something. something of it. Yeah, but whatever Chris. he wanted to do, you know, but I just felt like if I sat the character down and said, What's this really about? he wouldn't know. And it, and I just I might be doing that particular guy a huge disservice there. So I'm I'm just saying how it came across in the film. I really don't want to impugn a real person. But it, the film sold it as he just wanted to get out there and kill some Iraqis and I hate them. And I just felt like the film never took the time to say, why? You know? Um, and I just think that mindlessly signing up in an era now where we've had war after war, where we've been slightly misled on why we're there, 
and whether we even should have been there is very much in doubt leaves this as a very very difficult sell you've got the plus that it's world war ii which no yeah. one no one ever questions of course we had to go and fight world war ii but the at but it integrates it with what we see in the opening scenes of the film so well yeah i mean because in the, the day it's what the, the character uh, yeah, is I'll, I'll, I'll i mean he to, is he i will is get basically... to the key point with that in a minute chris because there, yeah. there's something he says that just short circuits all of my worries in one line, but we'll come to it. Yeah, I mean, it's pretty much like he is um, a guy, a black and white guy, um, in in a world that is more black and white, you know, to, to or at least a situation that is more black and white. But um, yes, but uh, yeah. So basically, he's you know he's been obviously been trying by fake names down and, everywhere it's yeah. becoming it's becoming a, a bit of a running joke almost you know that yeah with bucky and people like that yeah the um, time he tries to sign up they're like no no he's, no he's at a cinema and he's like there's a clear sort of sort of sense of like absolute right respect and regard i think i think that's also another thing that isn't really said but i think it's there like um i think people who actually generally go to military do feel that a lot i want to serve my country you know more, all, all my mates are going. Like Bucky's going. Yeah. I, you know, I can't, I can't like leave him. I can't, you know, I, I have to be there at least. After least, like, after right to defend my country. You know. I so think there also, that, yeah, there must be something I can do. Don't just look at this physique. I'm yeah. offering myself to you, my services. I think also as well. What, the one thing that I found quite refreshing is you did have the guy in the cinema. Come on, come on, get to the movie already and all that. Sort of thing. <laughs> what I like about that is I remember about twenty five years ago quite a long time ago now uh my father and and uh, you know his extended family so my stepmother and her kids and all the rest of it went for lunch on a sunday and we took with us a, a fairly elderly lady who was a member of the same sort of social club and and all the rest of it and dad was talking to her a lot about the war and my dad had bought this hook line and sinker the greatest generation thing and all the rest of it and she was just going on about how rampant crime was in the war. You know, just fairly low-level stuff. But she said everyone was stealing from everybody. You know, law and order, like, virtually completely broke down in that, like, everyone was stealing from anybody. You know, this she, and we, she said none of this greatest generation shit, she said. And this was an elderly woman saying that. So I like the fact that the film actually just showed that in a small way. That like you know not all not everyone from the forties is a lantern jaw person. They're ready to do their duty. Yeah, there, yeah. There, there are assholes in every generation. They're normal people. Exactly, um, but I quite like the way he gets the shit kicked out of him here. To be honest. Yeah, it's it's a precursor to what he, you know, it, it basically sells us early on why he should be cap, why he should be that guy. He you know, it's like up. okay, he never knows yeah. he's beaten. Um, and I think that's quite um attractive to an audience i mean if you think about even sports teams and things like that we followed you might have followed over the years there there tends to be a a kind of heroism to the never say die attitude mm. so that's always good he carry he holds up the bin lid as well the trash can lid mm. and that that's very like the shield um and he would just have kept going um, I, I did find i must admit i did find that scene just a little bit like unbelievable no, it's not in the sense it was like not in, the, in his spirit it was heart but just for how he got up too easily i mean like that guy would have just been like you know if he just sort of like a bit harder for him to get up 
as if he would generally would get the shit kicked out of him. Yeah. But he just finds it be like sort of like just shake it off like as if it was nothing. He's like, come on, no, he wouldn't. Yeah. Uh, it would have sold it to me a bit more, but anyway, uh, that's a minor quibble in a twelve rated film. <laughs> Where do we go from there? So obviously we've got that sort of. Uh, Bucky shows up and then sort of and they have like a chat. So hey, we got you know we're going to this uh, Stark ex- expedition. So we do go straight to the Stark Expo. It's pretty efficient storytelling early in this yeah. film, isn't it? Yeah, it moves pretty swiftly. He gets a date with Doctor Who's assistant. <laughs> well, here is she is and, and, and a And what? And her mate. And her mates, and her buddies, and her pals. And her mate, who's not actually as big a star as she is now. But um... Uh, Yeah, but yeah, who is she? I can't remember her name. No, we see Natalie Dormer later. We don't see her here, do we? No, 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 she's not here, is she? No, Natalie Dormer's the uh, the one who, like... Tries to cop off with him. Yeah, that's one. No, okay. Yeah. I mean, she's attractive and all the rest of it, but once you're sort of into Hayley Atwell, you're not going to, are you? But anyway... um... (laughs) Yeah, but, but he's not met Hayley Atwell at that point, yeah. though. I mean, like... I don't know, some of the things, I mean... Yeah, That's the thing about me, Again, he does not seem that interested in him whatsoever. And I know, like, yeah, he's got, like, a plan on his mind, but you think he'd be like, you know, she's a bit all right. Yeah. You know, you think, you think he'd be happy to, like, to, like be, you know... I don't, I don't know, there's just something about that, just like, oh, come on, cat... <laughs> I like the fact that we're, we're, to get to know him. we're both shallow and decent. Um. <laughs> but he's he's a man. But I, I like there's a scene literally like after his transformation, where like he's all bare chested and and she's just basically he's like oh you know tries to feel him up yeah. but not feel him up. Yeah, yeah, brushes yeah. his brushes her hand against his chest but then doesn't. She, she, she goes to, she goes to touch him and goes like oh no shouldn't do and that. Goes, oh, no, I mustn't do that because <laughs> it's 1942. Um, but no, I th- apparently that was um, that was completely that wasn't in the script. That was that's made up on, that's acting folks made up on the spot. Mm. Just like oh, and that's basically you know what all the ladies in the audience would like to do. <laughs> so we got a mix, we got a mix of techniques here because um, there is a scene just before he does go to sign up because we see a bit of Howard Stark, which was nice mm. to see, and his flying crafts and, you know. yeah, yeah, and and effectively. Um, it is like watching Iron Man 2, the 40-year-before version sort of thing, yeah. 60-year-before version. So that was quite interesting, and I like that. But, of course, he goes to sign up again because there is a sort of signing-up area there. Um, one of the few sort of smaller Steve um, effects that... I, I never spotted it. I, I wasn't. I thought it was nearly all digital head replacement. So I thought it was all a little guy with, like... Chris Evans's face or head on top, and I mean I knew they they'd sort of brought in his jawline a bit because he had sort of a thinner face. I knew that, but there's one there's one bit where Bucky's trying to get him not to go, you know, to see sense and not go and try and sign up that night. They got you know two women there and all the rest of it, and that's one effect that I didn't think looked very good. And when I actually watched it with the commentary. That's one of the few shots in the film that's a digital head replacement. Nearly every shot, and you see countless uh, through the bonus features, is Chris Evans dressed the same but he's normal size and they shrink it down in post. And they put some sort of dots around his chest and you know down his arm for the height reference of where they need to be looking for his eye line. Yeah. All right. But yeah, he goes... So, so I must say, having been so critical of Thor... Uh, in spe- in particular, but also the Incredible Hulk. This this film really looks cheap to me. No, yeah, despite the um the 
for a previous effects that we've seen. Um, I think just the digital work on this film is is amazing. I think that the way they managed to transform um, his body, as such, if I can say that. Um, yes, you can say in, body. In, <laughs> well, I'd, I'd want to be too lewd. Um, his, yeah. his bulging biceps. Yeah, that's what. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm trying to avoid. <laughs> I'm a massive perv. Um, no, just perv away, Becca. Why not? <laughs> Yeah. Let's face it. I'm going to perv over Haley Atwell, so you might as well. Give... That's something for everybody here. <laughs> exactly. But yeah, no, I do like the sort of digital transformation. But I think that's, that's very clever, actually, because I was sort of reading up about it and was like, I remember this film. I thought, hold on a minute. That just looks like you know a head on some guy's body, but actually in terms of like history that you know then to kind of really shrink him down um, is really very impressive. Yeah. I think I think the film does have the advantage of having that um, that film from like you know that it, it does have um, it's got a the different tint. yeah it's got a different color palette hasn't it that makes it mm. that I think also makes the the special effects I'll show you to just show you say cover the cracks a little bit you know disguise them a little bit I think it's all but, a bit uh, heightened anyway it doesn't have to be perfect yeah. I mean if you you know if this was shot with the same colour palette look and feel as say the Winter Soldier and you had these effects might they show up a bit more we'll, yeah. we'll never know we'll never know really but I, I do know that I never found this film particularly uh, I didn't find it ridiculously cutting corners with one exception and I actually think that's a storytelling choice not a budget mm-hmm. choice but I might be wrong certainly a bit later on where we go montage heavy I'm like are they cutting corners there or is it just the length of the film and all the rest of it certainly with Thor I, I felt that they needed to be fighting in a town that was like four or five times the size of the one they were actually in didn't need to be New York or anything but it needed to be a bit bigger here I never felt oh Christ that looks pathetically small at any point mm. um, I, I think they always serviced the material um, but yeah we get him going to sign up again is this where he meets um, Stanley Tucci yeah yes. and and uh, being blind I can't look up his character name what's Tucci's uh, name Abraham Erskine 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 okay um, yeah I I think it's kind of weird we've kind of almost forgotten that Stanley Tucci's in this film like in the law of Captain America, but I think he's crucial to the character. Like to well, the, I think, I think it's a bit the same with Tommy Lee Jones. You so, you sometimes go, oh yeah, Tommy Lee Jones was in an early one of these. Yeah, yeah. he is crucial. Um, you forget he's in it, but he's typecast in the role, but he does it really well. What Stanley Tucci? No, What's Tommy Lee Jones. Oh yeah, oh, no, yeah. he's playing himself. Yeah. Yeah, he's, he's typecast as like the gruff army general. Yeah. Um, and roles that we've seen him in so far, but he's, he's very good in it. But he's a little bit typecast here. I, I mean, he's, he's almost like on the level like, like oh yeah, well you know, obviously you go for Tommy Lee Jones, but it'll never, it'll never. Accept, I'll fucking always say yes. All right, then fine. <laughs> <laughs> it's a bit like Laura Linney in Love Actually. Can we get someone like Tommy Lee Jones? <laughs> right, why not ask or Tommy Lee Jones? Can, or can oh. we just get Tommy Jones? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, Stanley Tucci, though. I mean, I've always liked him in everything. I mean, he, he turned yeah. up in like the fourth. Transformers film, you know, and, and still managed oh, to be yeah. like really good, you know, uh, the film shit, but he was good in it. Um, I, I've yeah, he's a really it. good, like, whatever he's in, he always kind of, even if it's a really bad film, like, he, as I say, he's probably the best thing in the Transformers movie, sorry, but one of my good friends is a huge Transformers fan, so yeah. yeah but, um, but he always manages to raise, you know, shit. raise the level of whatever film he's in. Like, he's even in... be a Transformers fan and 
still fucking hate the films, unless he's a yeah. fan of the films. I'm very Definitely, yeah, but he, he always kind of raises the profile, I think, of whatever he's in. Um, even with, like, um, oh, God, I can't remember the name of it. It's, oh, it's going to annoy me now. There's a film that he's in with Helen Mirren. Not Helen Mirren. Oh, no, oh not. I know what you mean, Meryl Street, where they're kind oh, of, like, oh, trying what's to it get Julie, Julie and Julia, that was it. And, she, oh, and no. he plays her husband. And, obviously, she's playing Julia Childs in a larger-than-life character. But he's kind of very much, oh, yes, dear, no, dear. Um and it kind of isn't very fantastical. Oscar nominated in an audacious move by the uh, This is it, this is it. And, and does... recognise the work of Meryl Streep. Oh no, this is it, and that's really, really well. Uh, um, but then obviously he's in the Hunger, as the Hunger Games is like the main host of, of the show, and he's got this quite great massive hair, really sparkly suit, massive teeth, audacious makeup, and it's just not, like, oh, it's amazing. He always elevates whatever he, obvious, he's in. It's not wildly obvious casting here, to be fair, but he's, he's no. really great. Um Apparently he wanted to be in the role so he could practice his German accent, and, and here he is, and it sounds good. I, I must say, it does take. It, this is how good Stanley Tucci is. He, he can show up and, and do like a very hammy German, but like scientist type performance, and still find a way to like be really be not not just charming, but just generally like sincere and heartfelt. That you, that your heart just like that. It's almost like the emotional heart of the film comes from him. You know, it that that's a certain degree of actor that can do that, and uh, there's not I don't think as many. It's the it's the it's the trust the audience needs to have for this cam uh, this uh, character as well, because everything I've just said, uh, you know, earlier in the episode, isn't necessarily what I believe. It's understanding that it is a tough sell to a lot of the audience. There's something rather cheesy and hammy about Captain America, and actually, if you trust this guy. He's telling you what Captain, what qualities Captain America will need to have, mm. and I, I think he sells it extremely well. And if you trust him and trust this character and trust what they're trying to achieve, then I think the film takes it with you, takes you with it that much better. I think he's crucial, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, he, he's, he's essentially the, the heart of Cap. Essentially, essentially, he's the one who kind of like almost like gives him. Well, not to say gives him the heart because he already does have it, but he kind of like he defines he, it, it, he he defines to him that it isn't he doesn't say it here he says mm. it later, but it isn't about being a great soldier it's about being a good man yeah the rest of it the serum will take care of the rest of it yeah you know just be a good man and it will amplify all of that and that's all that really matters and when he signs it up as well steve's line here i don't i just don't like bullies i think he says it here he says it i think elsewhere in the film as well that that's that's crucial because again it might be a one-sided argument in that very little of the world would watch this now and be on the nazi side of the debate <laughs> um, but but so i just you, had a thought you, you have still that. got you've still got people who would go you would go you would get people who would go and see superhero films but wouldn't necessarily be good with weapons killing mm -hmm. that sort of thing and this sells it. It, it it is not about he wants to go and whoop ass for his country although he's clearly patriotic it, it's about he doesn't like bullies and actually it's a simplistic world view but that's the way he sees it I'm there for the little guys everywhere yeah standing up for what's right essentially I know and there was a point in the world war where certainly they, the other side had the upper hand and mm. I think that that's kind of plays into when this all comes along America's only joined the war three or four months before this mm -hmm. um, 
so I love all that, and and I love his all too brief interactions with Stanley Tucci. Yeah. Yeah, it it, it does. He, he he basically sells it to the audience, and that the, there's like a an emotional feeling that I think is crucial to the character that he that he gives. There's like there's a heart that he has that actually gives with the character. Um, but yeah, uh, so basically he. He basically sort of proves for his uh, training, essentially. Uh, and then do we go to... Stephen training, I think, isn't it? For yeah. Training uh, montage. And, 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 I do, and I do wonder, knowing what he knows, like, about, like, well, you know, Sue doesn't necessarily make the mind. Why are all these guys, like, potentially soldiers anyway? What's the point of them? Because it's not Stanley Tucci's call. Yeah, true. Um, be yeah. Because, because <laughs> I, I, he has to talk Chester, I think he's called, into mm. it. And in fact, it's only the grenade bit later in the film, which I think is wonderful, um, that really mm, actually really makes the point. What about this guy? He's a good soldier. Yes, but he's also, and I forget what he says now, like a bully or whatever. Yeah. And actually, turns yeah. out to be a coward anyway, because as soon as he throws the grenade in, Steve leaps right on it and the rest of them leg it. Yeah. Then think shit and run the other way. He's also smarter. You know, they... Uh, they, you know, they have that capture the flag competition. Yeah, they're all trying to cl- grab it. Steve takes one look at it and go, "Well, if I just pull that bolt out there, the whole thing will fall over." Yeah, yeah. Um, so he's, so he's got the ability to think beyond. He's smarter, didn't, didn't, mention, didn't at... mention anything about climbing it. Just said, "Get the flag." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> well, you did it the you easiest know, way you can. I was only a bit surprised that they said in x x number of years, no one has ever captured it. I was thinking, like, no was one like, really? thought of that. I'm, I'm, really? I'm, not, I'm not surprised it's uncommon because you immediately go jumping to try and get it. But I'm not surprised one person hasn't just looked at it and gone. Oh, well, it, it, it depends how many times they've done it. <laughs> they might have done it like what three times. Yeah, all right, fair <laughs> enough. Um, but yeah, yeah, true. But we're we're being sold all the things that matter. That he's he's kinder than those that are around him. He's more determined. Mm. I mean, he's you know he's he's going over obstacles and they're sort of playing practical jokes on him, like kicking over things. So he, the barbed wire is even closer to him and stuff like that. Um, you know, and he just does it without complaint. Mm. You know, he's having to do push-ups, he can't really do them. He's having to do all these exercises, he can't really do them. And yet, at every turn, he's proving to be more decent, braver, smarter than most of the people there, but but there for all the best possible reasons as well. Mm. And we spot we spot Agent Carter spotting it as well. And not only not only have you got Erskine trying to convince Chester, but you've got you've got. Um, Agent Carter dealing with all these meatheads, and there's one decent guy there. Yeah, yeah. she's having a job as well, trying to give it to you know, he's worth it. Come on. So. I, I I I love Hayley Atwell in this film. Myself personally, I think I think she's like really like talk about like sort of strong female roles. She is a very good strong female role to me. No, she's pretty good, and her her two series of Agent Carter are well worth a watch. So listeners, if you've not had a chance to watch it, highly recommend it. And it's not a crime that it was cancelled after two series. As far as I'm concerned. I'm presuming that must have been a ratings thing. Oh, I think it probably was. Were they full length? Were they full length? Because was was it on ABC? Was it 22 episode seasons? I, I might I, I might have them in my shelf. Hold on, I can't remember if I brought them with me or not. Don't worry about it. It doesn't matter. But I'm no, sure I, 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 I could look it up. But, um, if I could it was see full of ratings, and obviously they were on perks over here in the UK. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think it was just one of those things of ratings and, and viability, really, which which is a shame, but. Them's the breaks, you know. To be fair, I didn't watch it, but I mean, I watched about half of one episode then, but it was right in the spell where I thought, I'm sick of the TV shows. Because they started off with, it all matters and it's all connected. Mm. And I watched 
I watched the first season of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., which... Oh, that's brilliant. I, I love that show. Yeah, but hang on a minute. I'm talking about the first <laughs> season. The first season. Three oh, yeah, quarter, the first series, yeah. Three quarters of it was bull bollocks, right? Yeah. Somewhere around about episode 17, it was like, oh, this is getting a bit better. And I watched the first season of Daredevil and quite enjoyed it. And I watched the second first season of Jessica Jones and quite enjoyed it. But then I watched the second season of Daredevil and was bored. And then I started I've not seen that one, admittedly. I just got to the point where there was too much of it. I wasn't that interested. It had no bearing on the fucking No, there is a lot, whatsoever. to be honest. And I didn't care. You know, no. it's, it's one of those things that Marvel, for me, belongs on the big screen. It's like the Marvel Extended. It's like the Extended Universe, really, isn't it? I mean, cause like, I haven't seen Daredevil, unfortunately, but I, did, I do remember seeing the film with Ben Affleck. It. Yeah, but that, that's irrelevant because cool. that was a completely that's, different that's um, pre. That, that's before. No, but the TV show was okay in its first season. Second season was a bit dull. I, I think the point is there's too much of it. You can't watch everything. No, and, and plus now with, with Shield, you, for example, spoiler alert, it, but they're in space ten years later, or whatever. It's like, it how is that connected? You, you, you watch it thinking this is supposedly going to have some relevance or help me with the films, and it doesn't. It doesn't matter. You can leave all of it. But if there's one thing that, like, perhaps I wish I had watched, it would be Agent Carter. So I'll, I'll come to it, I'm sure. It, it's, on, a... it's on my to-watch list still, but yeah. it is on my to-watch list. I mean, the thing with the Netflix stuff, I do think a lot of it's like pacing with the episodes. I think they probably could do have been a bit shorter, generally speaking. And been I, th- more... I actually think they would have been better if they'd all been eight, eight episode seasons. Yeah, yeah, about yeah, ten, ten, ten at the tops. But I yeah. hear the new... Uh, there's I always Fist three one. to five of fucking filler. Yeah, but I, I think the new Iron Fist one's going to be ten episodes. So I think they are starting to learn, like, okay, well, let's, let's hone down mm. the, the episodes a bit and then... It, it's focused. not to knock it. I mean, if you want to watch all this stuff, great. And if you enjoy mm. it, great. And and some of what I watched was enjoyable enough. But there was Luke, a lot Luke of Cage it. Is my favourite. There, there was a lot of it. It's all very well shot, and in fact, it's all like 4K HDR as well. So I mean, Luke Cage looks phenomenal on on the, the series. Mm. Um, but That's I just a series. I, I do just like that found, a lot. I just found that like it didn't really matter. It was all of no consequence. And you either watch some of it or you watch all of it. And I wasn't going to watch Agent of Shield. I didn't like it enough. Um, and I just Shield, so it does kind of vaguely follow the, the kind yeah, of what's going on the screen. Vague, but things like Luke Cage important. and Jessica Jones and all the rest of it, it doesn't kind of really impact upon it like, too much. It's I think when important. they come together and form their own series, then that would kind of be where the crunch time comes. Yeah. But otherwise, as I say, it's you can watch all of it. Yeah, I think. I'd watch. I, I I wish I'd watched Agent Carter to be fair, and I I, I will at some point. But obviously, I'll lend you the DVDs, Dave. Nah, it's all right. I'll download it. Why would I want that? Why not? And, Why and not? DVD, have a word with yourself. Yeah, yeah, I've got a Blu-ray somewhere at home. All right then. Um, uh, also, David Tennant, it, Jessica Jones. David Tennant is amazing as the villain. So. Oh, he is. I really like Jessica Jones. But I th- the funny thing with it is, I watched it, really liked it. A year or two on, I can't remember that much about it, and I've no desire to watch any more. No. I think that's bit... part of the problem. It, it never, none of it really grabbed me that much, I, even when I was enjoying it. You know, but um, Agent Carter was really great. She was really great here. It doesn't surprise me in retrospect that this eventually led to her getting her own series. Mm. Mm. Uh, although it started with a Marvel one shot a bit later on, actually. But you know, I think a lot whole... of it was down to like fan, fan desire as well. I, I think it would have benefited had it been on Netflix. I think I think a lot of it could be down to like availability, like where it was shown and. Like how many what people de- could what be What deals are done, yeah. Yeah, yeah. How, how well was it advertised? You know, I think if it was on Netflix, it probably would have found a bigger audience. But we'll see. I, I, I have no idea what the viewership of Netflix is anyway. But 
Balls. But it does set a di- it sets a different um, bar anyway. You put it on Netflix, mm. you think, well, this would be a decent return. Yeah. You know? But, um, no, she's very good here. Um, they do, tr- again, bits that could come off as very cheesy. You know, the, the little lady proving herself sort of thing. They, they don't go down that path, thankfully. You know, when she punches that big guy and stuff like that. that well, that's right. That's the entrance, really, isn't yes. it? That, that could come off as awful, but it, it, it all works pretty well. But the main thrust of all these scenes are Steve has no business being there. He's not fit enough to be there. He's not well enough to be there. They're doing things like kicking over uh, the sort of little um, rat run they have to do so the barbed wire is close to him he's falling over on the rope climbs and all those sorts of things he's got no right to be there Chester is disgusted that he's there Hayley Atwell sees something in him and at the same time you've got Erskine telling Chester look at the man when I'm you're looking for qualities more than just the physical mm. yeah look, look yeah look beyond his muscles <laughs> the physical qualities are more like the mental you know psychological and, and emotional which, as well which makes sense i mean like i mean maybe maybe to us like now uh living today you would think well if you're going to give like the super serum that's going to make you a super soldier regardless then why would you bother with the typical soldier stuff you, you look for the things beyond that wouldn't you, you look well for... you think you yeah but you think you're getting an above average male and making him superman mm. as opposed to um, getting a below average male and making him better, but you don't know mm. how much better. Um, I can sort of see the logic, but the final the final straw is the um, grenade. Is the grenade which he throws across? Filmed in two different locations. Most of it is Black Park. Um, they had to sort of desaturate the grass on the on one of the locations because it had all died in one place, but not the other. But yeah, he throws the grenade and Steve immediately jumps on it and gets everyone. Tries to get everyone to run away. He's, he's willing to be killed to save others. And it, and it almost breaks your heart, doesn't it, doesn't it, when you see that? When he goes, yeah. oh, Steve. It's oh, it's very sad. Heart. And also, it's, just... That's a little sad. Forward. It just, like, it just goes, oh, you know, Steve, you bloody... You... <laughs> what were you, you going to say, Becca? Oh, no, um... I think the bike chase near the end is also filmed at Black Park, I think, because I recognise the scenes from Goldfinger. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, fun fact, folks. Yeah, um, and I'm trying to think. Now, obviously, they choose Steve for the procedure. Do we see mm. any of Schmidt in between then, or do we see Schmidt I, I, after? It, it's a lot of basically just a few, like, you know, him with uh, Toby Stevens, uh, Toby Jones, not Toby Stevens, bloody hell. Toby <laughs> <laughs> bloody hell, not like... My catching. dreams can t- kill you, Mr. Schmidt. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's funny. <laughs> uh, <laughs> why waste any of it on sleep? Yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's, only being, it's only by being on the edge we learn who we really are. If you beat me, Mr. Rogers. At least they didn't make all his dialogue empty fucking platitudes, eh? <laughs> oh, dear, I did. Uh, anyway, right. uh, Toby Jones. Yeah. Toby, yeah, basically here with Toby Jones. Um, and then and basically sort of like the, the plotty stuff. I mean, we have like a... He, he is Basil Exposition here, unfortunately. Well, you know, we, we have we basically have like, oh, we're going to have the exposition stuff with um, with Erksing. Before he goes to have the experiment, he sits down and gives him like the... The last uh, night pep talk. Yeah, is it, is it the... Um, oh, what's it called? Uh, 
<laughs> I think he's in, he's in Steve's bar- barracks and he goes in with like some schnapps or something like yeah. that um, and just talks to him and, and does point at his heart and say it's about what's in there be a good man yeah um, and, but he does and, tell him the story of Schmidt yeah, as well yeah it is basically sort of like okay we're going to what, what like, he said before ex- because ex- he did, yeah, it rejected him I love the fact that Schmidt has clearly given him a substandard serum and in the story, he's going, well, the serum wasn't ready, but he was a bit of a twat anyway. Like, <laughs> so it makes it, it all right. It, it isn't just, you know, I gave it... I mean, what does that say for the character of Bruce Banner? Well, <laughs> no, know? this is it. It's a good well, job. He is a good man. Right, the serum was bollocks, but... <laughs> he had a good heart, but with Schmidt, no chance. Yeah. It, it, um, it, made, a, it made a monster of him, yeah. That, that's what we're always going to get from this. It, it, it accentuates <clears throat> what's in you. Yeah, I mean, it could seem he's a big redhead head monster man, but, mm. you know. <laughs> <laughs> but I've worked in it, so that shouldn't happen. Uh... <laughs> yeah, the serum wasn't really sure. Like... <laughs> I mean, look, it, it, is, it is nothing. This is like a typical like comic book movie type thing. But, you know, you'd have to think, if someone, if he was able to invent that stuff, I mean, fair enough, like, the, it all got lost. But you, surely someone would invent something similar. At some point, if it's, if it's able to be made, then yeah. you know, surely by at some point, someone someone else would have come along, gone like, oh well, because Eventu- they... eventually everyone gets to the same solution just by yeah. different routes and different timescales. Yeah. yeah, yeah, but yeah, you know, maybe anyway, we will, maybe we'll get at there. this point. It's only there, and of course, um, they've been looking for they've been looking for Erskine, and they spot him. Um, they've got photos of him evidencing that he's basically with Steve's platoon and all the rest of it. Mm. So when they go to do the procedure in Liverpool, Manchester and on the set, um, <laughs> they they are they know to inter interject him there. Basically what they're trying to do is is kill any anybody that can copy it in any way. He's the mm. only person at this stage who can create any kind of um, competition to Smith, any kind of threat to him. Mm. So they're trying to they're trying to get him uh, finish him off before um, he can do that. Now, quite why they didn't shoot them on the way in, I'm not sure, but there you go. They wait till Steve is fully buffed up first. Yeah, but, I uh, don't get that at all. But anyway, they I do quite like all this stuff just because uh, the conversation with him and, and Agent Carter on the way to the procedure. Yeah, he's I think... so nervous and awkward. I think... Um, oh, the, the, the romance stuff about, like, sort of... This is the long. Uh, you don't know how to talk to women, do you? I think, to yeah. be honest, I think this is the longest conversation I've ever had. One. There's a clip of it on the front of this episode. Oh yeah, I know. I know what you mean. Yeah. Um, I was going to say, I think, by uh, when um, Sally Tucci dies in this, there is a passing of the baton uh, to Peggy Carter, which drives Cap's motivations. Uh, Peggy's uh, a big motivating for, uh, factor for Capital as we get to in, in Civil War. It's it's the thing that always spurs him on. I mean, throughout the time film, she does sort of keep the the spirit of him alive, even when he's relatively broken, shall we say. Um, but yeah, no, there's a, there's a bit of explosion. Well, there's a bit of explosion. There is an explosion. <laughs> and, just, a uh, bit, just a bit of one. Yeah. It's and Stanley, Stanley Cucci gets shot, and then we have our first, uh, basically our first action scene, like an, like an hour into the film. We get in, in, the interim, has, in the interim, he's made... About 40 made, minutes, yeah. Hang on. In the interim, he's made into Captain America. Yeah. 
we we just add that, but we won't uh, we won't go into that too much because I think most people who've listened to this have seen it. Um, but yeah, he goes through a relatively painful procedure with lots of exploding consoles and all that kind of thing, uh, and comes out the, the, modern, the, modern, the, poor. the modern sort of six foot four muscular Captain America. In the interim, we notice that Richard Armitage is there as an agent of what we learned is Hydra, who uh, basically kills uh, Erskine. And Steve goes after him. Yeah, and he runs. They run through Manchester. To Liverpool. Uh, runs all the way to Liverpool. To Liverpool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, about thirty-five miles apart for anyone not from this country, and he does it in moments. Now, obviously, they've used different bits and pieces. You've seen some of those Liverpool docks before in things like Sherlock Holmes, the Robert Downey Jr. films. I, I, I also kind of love the trope of uh, machine gun, machine gun granny. What firing yeah. up in the sky? We're talking a Goldfinger. Yeah, yeah exactly. Mm. I love that trope. Um, so, yeah. Uh, yeah, so he captures um, Richard Archers, but the the, the glass serum <laughs> is destroyed, and he kills himself with a cyanide tooth. Yeah. Now, I think one of my faults when I first saw this film, or one of my faults, one of the faults I perceived in the film, was don't forget we've already seen somebody with a version of the Super Soldier Serum inside him, and we mean <laughs> Blomsky from The Incredible Hulk. Um, for whatever the flaws of that film, and there were a lot of them, it's going to be a very, very low-ranking film when I come to do all that. Um, but the character of Blonsky and the way he moved after he'd had his first exposure to that serum was great. And we see a bit of that here, and I actually think it's the best we see of it in this film. I, I do have some problems with that later on. But, I mean, he's running on bare feet on, on very mm. rough roads. That would normally hurt, but, again, he's very toughened to that. Um, he can jump, he can run extremely fast and all of that sort of thing. So it does tell, it does show us there's an enhanced skill set now. There's a, there's a learning of his powers as well because there's a, like a, he's a little bit, like he's taken back by saying, whoa, okay, I can jump that high, okay. Well, he, jumps, <laughs> he jumps a chain link fence at one point and you can tell he doesn't know if he's able to clear that at all. Yeah. And why would he know, you know? Um, but he chases after Richard Armitage, gets into the docks, um, he's about to sort of jump into some some sort some sort of submersible. In fact, he does do, and Steve gets to it and rips him out of it, throws him onto the side, and he basically says that thing about Hydra: cut off one head and another two grow. Hail Hydra! Mm. And he he bites into some cyanide, and doesn't have the inside of his head melt away like Inspector bizarrely. No, what That's because he did it correctly, Dave. Oh my God! I'm turning camp. <laughs> Ooh, Mr. Bond. Ooh. Um, right, so uh, I think I'm that? thinking I'm going to sort of orchestrate a really complicated plot that doesn't make any sense whatsoever. Yeah, just to kill, a, just to kill someone. Is it awful? What I mean? Just to kill someone of pensionable age, you could have just popped down the post office and taken her out on a Saturday morning. Just, just waited ten years. Fucking hell, just can't get no pension. Yeah. Well, go to the bingo hall. She's bound to turn up at some point. Uh, I did say that the other day. Someone was saying about how they should make uh, a version of Moonraker with Gala uh, and I with Gala as uh, the villain in it. And I yeah, I Gala Brand. Spe- yeah, Gala Brand, not Gala Bingo. I did. No, no not Gala Bingo. Yeah. I, I, I did specify. Uh, where do we That's go from funny. here? Where do we go from here? Um, well, we, we missed the part. Well, actually, I missed the part where. Uh, 
uh, Tansuchi just points to his heart. It doesn't say it has any last words, just points to his heart, which I think is quite a good move. Um, yeah, if that was Orsi and Kurtzman, they would have gone on for about five minutes, wouldn't they, about exactly what he meant by that point. <laughs> yes, exactly. Uh, <laughs> and um, That point told us, taught us who we once were. <laughs> yes. Um, so, yeah, I, I like that. I like that. I, I, like, this I, died, like... I like that it's understated. Yeah. Yeah. Um, is, uh, in um, a film of this type, you wouldn't expect that, so that's great. So, yeah, there's a bit like, uh, well, what do we do now? And there, there's like the, the the main general guy. I don't know who, I don't know what, what ranking, apologies. Uh, what, what, uh, Lieutenant Colonel uh, Dempsey and Makepeace. Yes. <laughs> um, he's oh, I've I've got the perfect thing for you, and he's uh he's basically just sort of genius around. move because you got to put him in a slightly ridiculous looking outfit with the name Captain America, mm. and genius. also also gives him um, merchandise. It's it, you know can you see you go oh that's where the merchandise comes from. Yeah. Um. So and we know going forward that he respects uniforms. It, it's very mm. much suit up. That becomes almost like a refrain of the Avengers going forward. So, you know, no, you've got to have a uniform. So, obviously, whatever he has is kind of based on this. And we see little teases of it as we go along. When he goes to rescue the Howling Commandos, he wears like a prototype version of it almost. I like all this. And, again, I think I, I had no particular regard either way for, for Joe Johnson. But I don't think many directors would have made it look like this. All that sort of, you know, for want of a better term, theatre and musical stuff that he has to do for a period of time. We see him get more and more confident as well. The first time he's reading it off the back of a shield, what he's got to say. And we see him get more and more confident. And he's basically a propaganda tool to sell war bonds, to raise funds for the for the effort. Mm. To raise morale and all that. Um... Yeah, he's meant to be a, you know, yeah, a bit of a sort of um, mascot for the war effort as well. Mm. One of them we see the Kevin Eldon look like. Yeah, get punched like thousands of times. <laughs> yeah. And it so, and it just and it shows them going all over the country with it. So mm-hmm. you know. Well, yeah, they do some really think, random states. Yeah, we find out later on that it's like two hundred, two hundred and fifty times he's done this particular show. So yeah, he wastes effectively. You imagine a year of the war effort having to do this, mm. basically because he was meant to be part of a program. He was the prototype. And the, the engineer of that program died during cr- the creation of the prototype. Now they don't know what to do with him. Mm. Yeah, as so a, the best thing to do is they can turn him into a propaganda, say, propaganda tool. Yeah. And he can do little things on stage, like he lifts up that bike with three women sat on it. Ooh. So he can do... I don't know where we got ooh from there, but anyway. Um, but yeah, Physically you, arms. But exactly, think, yeah. think so, there'll be people in the audience thinking, yeah, that, that's clearly like a trick. He's not really that strong. Yeah. <laughs> Well, Chris Evans isn't, so I guess, you know. Well, but, yeah. No. But yeah, so he, he just goes around doing these kind of USO shows for a year, effectively. So we're now in sort of 1943. Um, and that's obviously given a lot of time to Smith to create lots of um, weapons out of the Tesseract. Uh, and this, this Tesseract technology basically allows them to disintegrate people. So. Yeah, basically, basically a big ass gun, and he just basically sort of decides like, no, I'm bigger than uh, Hitler now. Uh, I'm Hydra's going its own way. Hell Hydra, essentially. Yeah, he basically. He's, yeah, he's I, even I think... more evil than the Nazis. Yeah, which we got. Yeah. 
so yeah, so from so basically we cut from the the propaganda stuff to base to him in Italy, do, performing for the soldiers, and it's like a clear like night and day like they're they're sat there not giving a shit. Like yeah, who the just, fuck is this guy? He's not even a real soldier, and he's here going, "Who wants to watch me suck on her for Adolf on the jaw?" And it's <laughs> like no, and apparently, but they have just been what we find out a little later. They want the girls back on because they've just mm. done a song. So they have to come back on and do the same song. Play that same song. No, you got. Um, I'm just thinking of um, the first uh, Blue Harvest. But yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> they, they got. Uh, it turns out that they've just been sort of recovered. They're, they're what's left of the the group that have um, been recovered from enemy lines. So they're pretty jaded anyway. Through that, Steve realizes that there's a group of men thirty miles behind enemy lines that they've got no intention of going to rescue because the the risk the risk reward you know of it is that you'll probably end up lo- losing more men than you would you would say yeah. uh, so, and he finds out one of them is bucky as well mm. uh, and he goes to he he just basically grabs a leather coat he grabs uh, one of the hats that the girls are using with the one with the a on it as in captain america uh, takes takes that shield he's been well, using that, and heads that's off. After, that's after a talk with um, Hayley Atwell. Uh, Tell Hayley us about Carter. that talk, because I can't remember it. Uh, well, basically, he's sat there like thinking, well, what do I do? You know, like, I'm just like a waste. And she comes along and says, like, well, you know, there was, those were like, that, that's your only option. You know, like, mm. sort of, coming from someone who's like her, who's probably like, who's also British, a woman, yeah. is now a high, like, high-ranking officer in the American Army. You think, like, She's probably had to work really hard to get where she's where she's bonked. So, well, look, there, you can do something about this. You're just choosing not to, and it, it's it, it just sparked like sort of like, yeah, you're right. Uh, I'm going to actually prove myself. I'm going to actually go out, go out there, and do what I was meant to do, what I want to do. Yeah. So he so he decides to like kind of you know work with. Um, I was going to say Tony Stark then. Um, Howard. But, uh, Howard. You get, yeah. So. Um, Peggy gets Howard Stark to help him out to do like a low mission. Yeah, he he, uh, he flirts outrageously with Peggy, and you can tell Steve doesn't like that at all. Yeah, because she has to go. He's the best civilian pilot we've got. We're lucky to have him. <laughs> yeah, like have fondue. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. You forget he totally doesn't understand what that word means. So uh, you. Yeah. You're... Yeah. So he is dropped behind enemy lines, where he basically gets the howling commandos out. Hmm. Uh, a lot of them, and of course they're now, just to cut forward a bit, we do see some action there. Do we see Smith in this action? We do, don't we? It yes. never quite made sense to me why Smith would be there just holding them like that, but um, we, we he actually takes off his covering to reveal the Red Skull properly. Mm. Um, Steve it, starts it, fighting like... him and doesn't real, and then suddenly realises this guy's as strong as him. It's... I mean, this is like kind of like what I'm saying. Like this, would, this should be like normal at the end of your film. You know, had this been padded out a bit more. This should have been the real showdown, the, shouldn't the, it? The problem with the Howling Commandos is um, we barely get any chance to to spend time with them. Same as Bucky. Yeah, so you've got to sort of sell them very quickly through distinctive physical looks, like Neil, whatever he's mm. called, McDonough, who was Lieutenant Hawk in First Contact all those years ago. Give him a big bushy moustache. Housewives. <laughs> Non-sci-fi irrelevant things. 
Yeah, I'm sure all, all our listeners watch Desperate Housewives. <laughs> that, that's totally our demographic. Brilliant. Yeah, I was like, <laughs> um, unfortunately, that's where I remember him from, unfortunately. Yeah, well, he, yeah, of course, um, he, I've seen him in various things over the years, but obviously they, they dressed him a bit like a, I don't know, he looked like a lighthouse keeper or something. But they, yeah. they gave him all quite a distinctive look. But that yeah. was that was in place of any time to properly characterise any of them or make us care. Yeah, I mean, again, that goes back to what I said at the top of the show. I, you know, I'd much rather have these two films and then have like, a film with them and Bucky. Mm. You know, so we actually know who these are. And also, have, like, the Red Skull a... could have been built up a little bit more yeah. with Steve as some sort of, you know, dark... I hate this, I hate that cliche, but the dark side of, of him because obviously he's the serum gone wrong. And then that could have been a big showdown but it wasn't it was a taster of his power but anyway he gets he gets the the commandos out of there and just as chester is i forgot chester's surname but chester's writing the condolence letter for the loss mm. of steve rogers and tune, appear- tune out peggy carter yeah sort of yeah. Like, yep. yeah um that's all pretty good and of course he arrives back with them and that yeah. is actually quite an emotional moment it's really well done yeah yeah it works really well it, it, you know, I must admit, I did feel a bit, you know, I mean, it's the key to the to the film and the character that, you know, you, you do feel a constant sort of admiration for the guy. Yeah. It, it does hit, you know, if it gets to you, it gets to you, and it's, yeah. it works really well. And he's got enhanced powers. He, he isn't a Superman. He can still be killed. He can still mm. be hurt. He's gone in there effectively single-handed on what he was told wasn't worth doing. And he's brought them all back. And he hasn't brought them all back and said, sort of, see, I fucking told you. He's brought he said, them back with a good heart. And yeah, but the, it, I think it strikes the first thing he says is like, uh, it's like, it's it sort of like, I'm surrendering myself in for, for a disciplinary action. Like, literally. Yeah, because his not, first thought is, like, not, I, no, I no, like, orders. no, I proved you wrong. It's actually like, look, I did I, it. I didn't, do, I didn't do what you said to do. I'm sorry, but. You know, I had yeah. to, and of course he's let go. But then, of course, this is that to me. That's about seventy minutes in, mm. and I think that's the last praise I'm going to give the film for a while, because I struggle from here on. We go montage heavy for a while, and I didn't like any of it. Yeah. What did you think, Becca? Um, yeah, I really haven't got much to add to that. Pretty much. Um, yeah, it's just one of those things, really, isn't it? It's just like get on with it, get on with it, get on with it. But. Yeah, I haven't really got a lot to add, to be honest. Well, the problem, yeah, the problem is there isn't Unfortunately. much. There isn't much of a film, though, is it, Becca? Like, you know, it's like it feels it feels like a scramble. to, okay, well, we we have to have a few more, few bit more bits of action because we only it's have like, like quick, what. Quick, insert an action scene here. Come on, do this. And it's yeah. like, oh, really? So oh, I can feel like Joe Johnson was like, oh, quickly, we need to, we need more action here. You know, but so they haven't have committed this... to that action. They've just shown us little tiny snippets of lots of things to give yeah. the impression that we've gone through a lot. Something going on and it's yeah. like it, it's like it's like we watch it's like it's like we just watched another movie another movie but we fast forward like yeah it's like, like a film film within a film almost but i mean this i, I think yeah had, had it been split into two films it probably would have been better but in the long run i think we probably would have ended up with like two two and a half long out oh, would have ended up with two two and a half hour long films which i think would have overdone it just a little bit in well. the you know in the greater scheme of things well, ideally not, but you never know of Hollywood. But yeah, I mean, under two hours is the, is the golden sweet spot for me. But um, yeah, one hour thirty, if possible, please. That's why Ghostbusters are such a classic. So it's like one hour fifteen or something. It's so short. 
I doubt it's that short. No, oh, no, it's not, it's not that short. It's like an hour and a half or something, isn't it? It's quite short. You usually, I think, I think with comedies and horror, depending that if it's yeah. not, if it's not like overtly too serious, like sort of with the drama element, 90, 90 minutes definitely. I think with any other films, you usually it's uh, about an hour forty. Um, I think I think anything that's just like a bit more that's just maybe yeah. Genre. No, Ghostbusters is an hour and forty five minutes. Uh, but yeah, yeah. That's it. So, yeah, it's not it's not massively long. So. But, no, yeah, I mean, but, it, but you know, definitely but under two of... hours. If you hit, yeah, go sure. over two or two hours. In comedy, without question, I mean, I don't like Bond films to be under two hours, but I don't want them to be two the and a half either. Them it depends on the film. The majority are over two hours, but yeah. um, it, it really does depend on the type of film. You, you're right with comedy and horror. Both of those massively outlive their um, uh, welcome if they go too long. Um, these Marvel films are coming in sort of two hours ish, and, and that kind of works all right. This is 124 minutes. That's fine as as a length of film. The problem is they are trying to do too much in it. Yeah, and of course I'm I'm looking here now because I, I can sort of see periodically. Um, He's recruited and it lists all his like howling commandos, mm. and I, I don't remember any of the names of them. I, I've got to look it up every oh, time. Him with the hat, the French one. Uh, yeah, exactly. The so actually, they, they're named here, but and we know they go off to fight Hydra bases. But again, it's not really. It's busy work. Yeah, it's it is. busy work until he gets effectively a rematch with um, the Red Skull. Um, hence, perhaps it is best as a montage. I don't know. But the film's just got a problem from here on in. Because well, it, yeah. there is some plot in this, but it is killing time till we get him back to Schmidt again. And he's only just met Schmidt, so you've got to kind of do something in the interim. But the problem with the, the Schmidt thing is like, we meet him halfway through the film, and he goes like, ah, oh, well, here's my red skull. And it's like, he ceases to be... That more intro- I, I much preferred it when it was actually Hugo or even just like messing around with his eye or something like that, or they were teasing it. I much preferred that. Rather that than reveal see- should have been right at the very end. If yeah, and it, sh- and it should have gone a bit more grotesque with it, like a really kind of like just constantly teasing it, and then when you by the time you get to the end, it's like oh god, that's horrible. Yeah, it it would have been a lot more. Um, it would have played a lot better, but hey ho. Um, yeah, so we ha- so we we get him. You get, we get his shield. He gets his actual proper shield. Whether we get the bit where to, uh, Tony, we get the <laughs> bit where Steve is flirted with by Natalie Dormer. Yeah, and she definitely wants him. And um, he and he really doesn't know what to do. He's like, he doesn't uh, know what to do. Um, difficult scene in that you know, do you paint him as te- you know tempted or what? But he he handles it okay. But he's caught by Peggy. Um, and then he starts going on about what well, you've been fondueing with Howard Stark and he doesn't know what that means. <laughs> and then Howard gives him the only vibranium that they have because it's at this stage and for the next few years we'll believe it to be a scarce metal. And Peggy fires right at him to prove that that thing's working mm. alright. So she's clearly a bit pissed off. Yeah, that, that then goes into the montage actually. That does go into the montage because he's got that shield with him all painted mm. up. Um, thereafter, he, he, he gets his team. He's obviously, kind of, you know, he's at the pub. We have that scene, yeah. and then there's a there's that stuff with Peggy where he's sort of like uh, talking about dancing. Yeah, oh, about, yeah. about, about the right girl. Dance. Yeah, and he's been waiting for the right girl, 
And they talked about it a bit in the car earlier because he said mm. yeah, no one wants to dance with the guy they think they can step on or, or yeah. crush or whatever it was he said. So she's made it clear to him at this point she's interested in him. He's definitely interested in her. Um, do we go to? Um, do we go to? Um, I think it's the train next, isn't it? I think because don't we go to? Is the train before the? Yes, it is. The train is before Tommy Lee Jones sits mm-hmm. down with Toby. Toby Stevens. Yeah, not Toby no. Stevens. Toby Jones. Yeah, Toby Jones. <laughs> because, Toby Jones, I call him, or Navy Jones. This is where I. I just, all I'm going to say on the train bit, and then I'd rather you two talk about it. Is this is where I nearly left because I needed yeah. the loop. All right. And I was I was just getting bored. I was just getting bored, and the film had devolved into like montages. Only the one, to be fair, but it just hadn't taken me with it, and it took me a long time to really tune into Steve Rogers and Chris Evans playing him, and I have now really really well. But going back to the early days, it all felt a bit, particularly with the Red Skull, it all felt a bit too primary color to me. And we got to this train sequence, and there's this big thing over saving Bucky, and I didn't give a shit about Bucky. And I needed the loot. I would not have walked out. I, I didn't walk out, but I wouldn't have even considered walking out, but for the fact I'd been to the loot, and I nearly didn't go back. And I did, and I'm glad I did, but that's what left me at the end of Phase 1, thinking, wrongly now, mm. that this was the weakest Phase 1 film. I don't feel that way now. What did you make of all this train stuff? I... I, I think you're right, generally speaking. What 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 do you think, Becca? Um, yeah, it just is a little bit just like padding and sort of filling out really. It's like we could just be getting on to the next scene and getting through the film, but I did feel like it was just padding and, and just kind of as I say, busy work and just you could probably cut you know, little sections of it from the film and, and still be still be okay. Um but yeah, it's just kind of really padding really. I was kind of all the way through this, I was like, get on with it, get on with it, get on with it, you know. Well, the thing is, it was getting on with it. It was just kind of like fast forward through everything. It's like yeah, yeah, we are like, yeah, like, okay, we have to have a scene. We have to have a scene where he gets his shield right. You have to have a scene with we with, with Peggy right. And now uh, Bucky needs to die, so we have to have that scene. Yeah, so um, she did box ticking. It's like we need this. Yeah, scene, scene. I mean, Tip, yeah, scene this time. Yeah, gets his shield. Check. See with Peggy. Yeah. Check. Bucky dies. Check. I mean, did, obviously he doesn't die because we see him later on. Back even even to this day, do you actually care about Bucky? Even now? I think outside, like... committal noises. I think, generally speaking, I mean, apart from, like, the comic book fans who might say, oh, I really like Bucky, like, in the Marvel Universe. Sure. And, you know, he's fine, you know, and, and Sebastian Stan is fine. You know, it's no, not... Really... It's not his fault, but the problem oh. is... Like I generally just don't don't care. And things are. I get the impression that a lot of his scenes were left on the cutting room floor. Maybe. I don't know. I mean, depends how. I, I mean, possibly, but it might be like a three-hour, three-hour, four-hour cut of. He was ahead of Steve. That was the thing. He went off to fight in the war. Steve was sort of left behind. Eventually, Steve gets to join. So by the time he catches up to his childhood friend, we'd have needed to see them as children together to have sold this at all they put them at the expo together and we had him saving him in the alleyway but it isn't until civil war well probably the end of the winter soldier but certainly civil war when we realize what steve is willing to do to protect the integrity of that friendship that it actually strengthens it retrospectively so going back to it it's not so bad now at the time this was utterly pointless it was almost like 
I never read Captain America comics. I saw some, and I've probably read little bits, but he had this sidekick, if you like, called Bucky Barnes. That's all I knew. And it was a bit like the film needed to cram in the Bucky Barnes character, uh, but didn't have anything to do with him. And then suddenly it's emotional. And I felt I felt actually emotionally manipulated. I just thought, like, you've tried to manipulate me there and failed. And I really, really took against the film in, in a way that I don't anymore. Um, but yeah, that, that train sequence is totally who gives a shit. I, I think the the casting for Bucky is a hard sell as well, because you have to go from almost like Boy Wonder-esque kind of, kind, kind of, kind of aesthetic to being like fucking deadly assassin. Yeah. Like, go grizzled, yeah. deadly assassin later on. And the two were very different. I, I so you have to have a, have someone who can convincingly do both. When well, we um, got to the Winter Soldier, it didn't immediately recognise him. So the bit in the film where Steve goes, you know, oh my god, that's I'm just going, oh yeah, that fucking. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's, I mean, well, <laughs> I mean, we'll, we'll we'll get to it when we do Winter Soldier. But when it, when <laughs> the thing is, like, I, I always think when when the Cap says like, we says Bucky, he goes like. Who's Bucky? I'm like thinking, yeah, who is who, Bucky? Who's Bucky? <laughs> I don't actually know myself. Yeah. Like, <laughs> and then it looked that like because the longest look we got at him was was in his uniform with short back and sides. Yeah. So when you see him in his Winter Soldier look, it's not immediately the same person unless you really know who Sebastian Stan is. Um, that's all I'm really going to say on it because the show's going to run really long otherwise. The point is, I didn't love this stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and I really didn't like it at the time. We went straight from there to Chester interviewing, is he called Zola? Yeah. Um, and I was just thought, this this just feels like, and he's going, this is a steak. And I'm like, I can see that. So the film is really bizarrely paced. In <laughs> I, that, like, I, I, I it like races it. Through. It races through all this stuff and then wastes time on that, you know? I do like I do like that scene because it's interrogation. It's like basically sort of I'm just gonna sit and eat this nice steak, right, yeah. Um But yeah, essentially, I think oh, in this film it's fine because there there is a consistency here. Like again, we went soldier. I'm not quite sure. It's quite thing. He, he seems to be kind of like yeah, I'm not entirely loyal to Hydra or to the Red Skull. I'm just kind of it's he. I just kind of got kind of caught with it, so I'm just kind of like going along so I don't get killed. Um, so that, so him kind of like but revealing what he, what he gets, what he gets from Zola is where the final um, mm. Hydra strong, you know, place he's got to go is. So him, Alien, Steve head off to it um, because they're going to bomb American cities. They're going to bomb mm. New York and all the rest of it. And and uh, Berlin and other. Other countries yeah. around the world are basically going to be. Uh, yeah. So he, they have to get him onto the Red Skull's plane as it's taking off. Mm-hmm. What I don't remember is how he got that information out of Zola. I can't remember how uh, willingly Zola gave it. But the gist is the final part of the film now is just trying to stop the Red Skull before he takes down some major American cities mm-hmm. and world cities, in fact. But obviously, there's an emphasis here on the New York one because that's the plane he's on. And uh, yeah, so you know, I, I, which is sort of pretty decent actions. I mean, I, I quite like like the stuff of the jumping on the planes and all that stuff. That that was kind of fun. Um, yeah. And the Tom and uh, when Tommy Joe's like, I'm not going to kiss you. <laughs> yeah. That 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 gets a chuckle. But yeah, it's it's. But I mean, we we that interview 
starts at like one hour twenty four or something. Mm. The film with credits, admittedly, finishes at something like two o four. So that's forty minutes of the film we're going to deal with in an almost throwaway fashion, because we're we're immediately almost heading straight to the emotional gut punch of him and Agent Carter at the end, yeah. really, aren't we? So yeah, but basically, like he has a fight with um, Red Skull and. Red Skull gets dissolved by holding the 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 is it Tesseract? It is Tesseract, isn't it? It is the Tesseract, yeah. And and basically just gets dissolved, and then he has to sort of crash on the plane um, to to basically stop it from destroying New York. And yeah, and there's it's quite it is quite sad when they're talking over the radio. Yeah, it got me. It got me in a film mm. that didn't get me the first time. So I'm sat in a, I'm sat watching a film that I was actively resenting at the time. Like I say, I have to reiterate that's not how I feel about this film now, with all its flaws. Mm. But at the time, I just spent two hours going, "What a load of fucking bollocks this is!" And in the last two minutes, it really, really got me. I choked up quite badly at this. Mm. Becca, what do you think? Yes, with the whole Steve slash Piggy relationship, it's very sad. So, yeah, I did shed a little tear at the end. But it ain't the most wildly amazing last half an hour to a film, is it? Up to that. They no. Yeah. No, it's not. It, it's not. But as, as, as I said before, because it, 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 the film's like trying to rush through itself to, to get to where it needs to be. Um, I mean, I, I will say this. I think it does make the the best of a, of a bad situation in regards that it does montage it up, so it does feel like um, like an old uh, film reel of like, of like of, it has that feel to it I, I don't know how best to describe it, you know like, like the old films you see Steve watching in the cinema, it feels akin to that yeah. uh, so it kind of gets away with it just about for me but yeah and then we get a shot of uh what do we get? We get uh, we get him waking up. Obviously, he dips into the water, and the next thing we see, he's in a bedroom yeah, in New York. Yeah. He dips his dips <laughs> in. Ooh, It's a bit cold. Oh, it's a bit nippy. Yeah. So yeah, he wakes up in. It's one of those you can't help but notice. Oh. Yeah. He wakes up in a hospital bed uh, in New York somewhere. Uh, looks very of its time. Looks like it's a forces thing because you know the nurses there are dressed a bit like Peggy Carter. And he's listening to the radio. There's a baseball game on it, and he clearly is not impressed straight away. He's like, "Yeah, I was there that game. <laughs> That's the wrong game. I was there." In other words, a, you've got the wrong time. That's a year or two old. And b, I was at it. Uh, <laughs> when am I? Where am I really? And he runs out of the building right into the middle of Times Square. And he's he's pulled over effectively by. That's a prime location for Shield, isn't it? <laughs> I don't know why. Yeah, why didn't they get him somewhere quieter upstate? But anyway, <laughs> no, no, no. Times Square, that strip club, you know. Um, yeah, he's caught up with by Nick Fury. All the cars sort of pull over to stop him where he is, and he says, "Addy, soldier," and explains that he's been asleep for seventy years. And uh, he had a date. Uh, it's just kind of a, a really odd way to end a film. I mean, yeah, it just sounds like oh, I heard a date. It's like oh, okay. Oh, I think I think it's odd in a good way because it's really, it's kind of off key somber moment. You go like oh yeah, yeah. I think, oh, but you kind of end on a bit of a downer, don't you? It's like oh, I liked it. I did like. Yeah, it. I see a key drop because of the Avengers coming next. 
And that is effectively the, the post-title sting, even though it's before the sort of credits, because mm. actually after the credits, they just put a trailer for the Avengers. And that's it, mm. the first Avenger, folks. Uh, final thoughts. Becca? Yeah, yeah um, it appears <laughs> to, <be laughs> <laughs> to be quite promising. Um, it's perhaps, it's even though he's not like the first Avenger, he's like one of the, literally the oldest characters. Mm. In, in terms of the team, obviously going back to the comics, you can trace obviously when, when they're written. Um, but in terms of his pre, you know, his war origins, it's quite interesting to explore that a little bit more. It would have been interesting to maybe to, as you say, mention earlier in, in the show, split the film in half or in two and have one covering the war, the war years, Captain America, the war years, um, and then part two, modern day exploits and bringing him into the world, as it were. Um, but yeah, the action and I, I think all praise really has to go, really must go to um, Hugo Weaving. <laughs> Not you go spit. Um, he really hams it up um, as, as Red Skull um, and creates quite a memorable Marvel villain, um, even though his accent is a bit. Um, I think there's a lot of good hammy ham in this. I think. Yeah, good hammy ham. Can't go wrong. Um, but yeah, all, all the kind of. I mean, Chris Evans is is, is fantastic. He is Cap the Christian. Um, but I think a lot of the other like smaller roles as well. Because um, is is he Australian or, or or New Zealand Australian? I think. Um, obviously, we've got. Um, Toby Jones as well, who's, who's, who's English, who's British. Uh, a lot of smaller parts as well. Richard Armitage as well, like before he was famous, or before he was you know, mega famous as he is now. Um, a lot of really sm- great smaller roles in this as well. Um, and obviously launched a career for Jenna Coleman, pre-Doctor Who fame, which is very cool. But yeah, it's kind of much greater than the sum of its parts, really. Um, yeah, a, mm, middling, middling. Which is a shame, because like the, the next Captain America film is, is brilliant, I think. I really enjoy it. So you're not entirely sold on this, you just think it's a, a bit of a... had potential, but a bit... Yeah, it really does have potential. Some scenes are, are really great, um, but it's just... It, it wastes a lot of time, as you say, on, on busy work. Um, but still, I'm, I don't you know trash it completely. Um, it's, it's still an enjoyable watch. The effects are really good. Some of the action scenes are, you know, um, really kind of really quite gripping. Um, but the pace does suffer a little bit, unfortunately. But otherwise, cast effects and action are very good. Just plot, sadly. Yeah, I thought... Yeah. Um... Go on, Chris. I'll cut my... Oh, no, no, I wasn't going to say much, because I've, I've, I think I've... I've said pretty much what what I want to say in a lot, um, generally speaking. But, yeah, just to reiterate, uh, I, I do I do like this film. It has a lot of heart, and I think it gets what it, what is essential... For the film to be, which has it has to establish his heart, and it, it's very effective that way. I think the only real missed opportunity and flaw is the fact that this this is a bit of a, a rushed effort uh, story-wise. Uh, we have to do so much to get to where we need to be for the next film. Uh, it you know it should it, it we should have had uh, two it be two films to allow some breathing space, but hey ho, what can you do? Um, but apart from that, it's it's a decent watch. It's I, I never found it boring. Um, I think it it does the best it possibly can do. And so on to uh, the the Avengers. I really, as I say, I, I just didn't like it at the time. It took me years to get this film, and even now, um, 
Becca's got a lot more appetite for hammy than I do generally, anyway, <laughs> and, and nothing wrong with that. I, I, you know, there's no criticism there. But I, being I, a vegetarian, I, I didn't warm. To, I, I didn't warm to the rest, Red Skull at all, particularly as a character. I've always liked Hugo Weaving, and he does the best with what he's given. But it, it just feels a bit of a bum note in the film, to be honest. I know why he's there. Um, best bit of the film is all the little Steve stuff, the Steve before he became Cap for me and I think they really sell the heart of the man I think Erskine's vital to that and I think uh, that I do f- buy the chemistry between him uh, him and Hayley Atwell I don't get, again it's very oh, yeah, PG-13 it's, it's not combustible sexual tension or anything but there's so much warmth between them um, I really really enjoy this film now probably for about 70 minutes and then it sort of falls apart until it's final couple it's going to rank probably lower part of the middle somewhere but at, at its best it's absolutely terrific when i think back on it now had i watched this with the eyes i now watch it with i think i'd be optimistic going into the avengers in a way that i wasn't after thor because yes you've introduced magic but you've done it on such a small scale in terms of budget i'd be worried whether you could even land something as broad as as the avengers after this i think i'd have been a bit more confident having said that at the time because i wasn't enjoying the film that much i was quite worried because i'd loved iron man and then virtually nothing since and i just kept thinking the idea's great and the look and feel's great but they're not landing any of these films and actually phase one isn't that amazing um but it's a it's a decent film with a with very good performances. All credit to Joe Johnson and Alan Silvestri for the look and feel of this film. That's his biggest draw. I just think it's such a warm embrace of a film to look at. Um, so I like it very very much, and and I think that's that's as far as I can go with it. Uh, yeah, the score is is really good as well. I, um, it's one of the films that kind of lifts it from the films. Yeah. One of the aspects of the film that lifts it from oh, yeah, any kind yeah, of like yeah. mediocrity a little bit. I kind of miss it in the current Marvel films. I wish it had a little bit more in. I wish it was, I wish it was in the uh, the newer stuff, um, the the original theme a little bit. I understand it's a bit old-fashioned, but I still kind I of like... I think it's the original orchestration you're going yeah. for, because it's the same mm, thing, I'm sure definitely. it is. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, having said that, I, I, although I've had reservations about the film I think those reservations would melt away if I knew more about it particularly if you had more fun with them more fun with them so we're looking for facts but of an enjoyable fun kind Becca any facts about anybody dying so okay good (laughs) I'm hoping they're all about Dempsey and Makepeace myself I loved that show when I was a kid. Wait till next week. I've got some really fun facts about Avengers that you won't see coming. Okay. Why? Because they're so fast. They're like the speed of light, these facts. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, so fun fact number one. We spoiled earlier um, a lot of the training scenes and also the bike chase scene at the end of the film at Black Park near Pinewood Studios. If you are any listeners in... Oh, bloody hell. Listeners, if you're in the States and you're planning to come to England, please come and visit Black Park. You might not be able to get around Pinewood, but you can actually go around the outside of the studios. And Black Park is a really nice country park. Um, you can walk through walk through the trees and um, they're kind of signposts telling you what film was, was shot here. Obviously, there's Bond films. 
um, Captain America and many, many others. So it's a really nice place to come and visit. And it's all free. Yeah. Well, apart from the parking. Um, fun fact number two. Um, Captain America is Chris Evans' sixth comic book film. Obviously, after the two Fantastic Four movies, um, Push and The Losers, and also Scott Pilgrim. Um, and I completely forgot that he voiced Casey Jones in the uh, mid-2000s animated film Ninja Turtles, which is pretty cool. So kind of like before he was famous. Apparently he declined the role of Captain America three times and it took um, Iron Man himself to convince him to do it. So, which I think is pretty cool. Threatened him with a repulsive blast. Yeah, literally. <laughs> He's like, if you don't do it, I'm going to fight Accept your, your bastard. Yeah, this is it. Otherwise, yeah. you're as I, think, as I think we talked about earlier in the show, um, this, this could have been John Krasinski. Um, different take. Mm, that would have been wrong. very interesting. Very, very interesting. But yeah, okay. So does that mean that um, Chris Evans might be Jack Ryan next? There's, uh, yeah, a, there's a pattern emerging here. I'm looking forward to that. Forward mm, to that, that looks quite good. Yeah. Okay. Uh, fun fact number three: um, Hugo even based his accent on Run Hurt Song. <laughs> I can hear that. <laughs> Which I can it. see that. Yeah. I can hear that. Yeah, okay. Um, and also, Klaus Maria Brandau from Never Say Never Again. Yeah, I can. I can <laughs> but I can, I can hear, well. hear the Hurt Song. I really can. So, what are you going to base your accent on? What, what's that unofficial Bond film? It's just like, where did you go to that? You know, but anyway, okay, fair enough. <laughs> We've got kind of like a clipped style to his accent, I think. Yeah. Okay. Um, but I, I just said kind of obviously Herzog and also Arnie a little bit. Mm. But I, I enjoyed it very much. Um, so, yeah, fun fact number four director Joe Johnson um, was chosen to direct, obviously, due to his work on period films The Rocketeer and October Sky. But yeah, I must say we didn't mention the Rocketeer much. There is a kind of like, especially in the 40s, there's this kind of like a sepia glaze over the scenes. Um, so it all evokes all kinds of nostalgia. Um, certainly the vibe you get from the Rocketeer as well, with its kind of 30s, 40s aesthetic. And my final fun fact, number five. 2012 would see lots of team-ups for the cast in terms of the Avengers, Hunger Games, including like Tony Jones and Stanley Tucci and The Hobbit. So obviously both um, Hugo Weaving and Richard Armitage. So it was a big mashup of all those big movies coming together with the same lots of cast members intermingling. Which I think is pretty cool. That's really cool. They were they were excellent facts. I think yes. all my reservations have uh, have melted away. Five out of five. <laughs> melted. Melty. <laughs> <laughs> Social media folks. Uh, you can find me at Simitrops on Twitter, uh, and I also endorse Rocketeer because I think it's a um, very, very good film. Right, and which, Dave, which Dave needs to see. Which I'll, yeah, I'll, Dave, get on it. I'll, I'll send you the DVD, Dave, don't worry. Uh, and, well, the Blu-ray? Uh, no, I've got it. I don't think it's been released on Blu-ray, I don't think. No, I've, uh, I've currently moved to iTunes. It is on a Blu-ray, oh, but... Um, uh, well, you know. No, well, well, no you're not really I've, separate. I've, I've gone iTunes. I've gone digital. Um, cool. like so, <laughs> mm, uh, yeah, you can find me at Shots on Twitter. And you can find uh, this podcast with all the back episodes that aren't on uh, on iTunes, so to speak. Mm. <laughs> um, oh and on uh, uk. You can find me at the Pasty Kid nineteen seventy six on Twitter. And you can find us on Twitter at Expect Us to Talk. And you can also search for us on Facebook.com slash expect to talk. Um, we're also on YouTube. If you 
youtube.com type in do you expect us to talk and also do the same on iTunes um, but yeah sadly um, they decided to delete our back catalogue one by one so yeah if you visit Chris's website cinematronics.co.uk you can find us all on there um, you can drop us an email expect us to talk at gmail.com and we can send you the episodes we can speed feed them to you and as of today we are still not on Pinterest or any of that such lark and we never will be. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what? The point of it. All these films have been great, but they just keep keeping all these characters apart. I think Ooh. it's just silly. Let's get them all together for a bit of a Ooh. party. What do you reckon? What do you reckon, what? Becca? What does that mean? Ah, I can't wait. Explode with delight. I think she's just come, Dave. I don't know. No, she doesn't sound like that when she comes. I mean, uh, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> uh, maybe. How the bloody hell would you know? Um, <laughs> when you don't anyway. come, don't we, silly? <laughs> it's, well, it's, a, it's a myth, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you just lie there and accept your apology. That's <laughs> <laughs> well, a line from Austin Powers. In Japan, men come first and women come second. That's not at all. It, oh, when, if they're nice, they uh, they actually pretend to have one. That's, that's what. Yeah, they could be like ooh or something like that. <laughs> Stop moaning appreciatively. So, <laughs> in the non-orgasm sense, what's going on at the weekend, Becca? Do you expect to talk? We'll return with <gasps> the Avengers. <laughs>